This week on Out Now with Aaron Nave, we are talking Top Gun colon Maverick. Who's ready to buzz the tower? Talk to me, Goose. We are now recording, and this is Out Now with Aaron and Abe. I am Aaron, and as always, this is... Abe, hello, hello, calling on my call sign. I don't know what it is, though. Good start. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Out Now is a film podcast where Abe and I discuss new movies weekly. We dig into movies being most important for your review. The occasional commentary track or some other film movie topic. This is episode 496, 496. 496, going Mach 10. <laughs> this week. You see all this tie-in? <laughs> This week we are talking Top Gun colon Maverick, the uh, the the long in the making sequel to the 1986 Tony Scott directed classic of 80s pop culture. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, lots of things to go over this week. But joining us to discuss Top Gun Maverick, we have Shorts programmer for the Newport Beach Film Festival. Some call her Rooster. Some call her Riptide. I call her the Lovely. It's the Lovely Anna Bosch. <laughs> Hello, everyone. Hi, Anna. Hi. Riptide How's is your going? call sign. Well, actually, I feel like, well, we did a generator from the app, and that was, like, what it came up with. That's a good call sign. But Dangerous. Now that I'm, like, right, I was, like, Riptide's pretty cool, but also I feel like Icebreaker would be a good one. Icebreaker. <laughs> <laughs> You're great at corporate meetings. <laughs> <laughs> I actually am. <laughs> there you go. Aaron, what did I you get? Am. Yeah. Midnight. That's a good one. I like You know, you know why that fits? Out on nights. Why? Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> Where, where's this generator? Where can we? Where can we find it? I'm sure you just like Google like Top Gun call sign generator. You'll find. Is it? it. Is like it that. one that's authorized by the movie? It's a branded site. Yeah, it's a branded site. Like it's there, and you can you can take a. Are we advertising this? You can take a selfie, and it'll put your it'll put your helmet in your name. Oh wow! Everything. Very very yeah. extensive. I'll have to try this after the show. Yeah, you should. Yeah. yeah. I, I I the listeners want to know what your call sign's gonna. Yeah, be. exactly. It's gonna be like data. <laughs> fortune <laughs> i mean <laughs> it does favor the bold oh god that's what Matt tells me yeah exactly <laughs> not sponsored by crypto.com <laughs> <laughs> all right so we are talking top gun maverick this week uh before we get to all that let's do some show notes first up speaking of top gun new commentary track uh we i was joined by yancey scott brandon and peter talk all about the original top gun for this butts commentary track and it was a lot of fun we packed this episode with a lot of info uh, and good times what have you so that's available now on itunes itunes speaking of which is where you can find all of the episodes of our show and if you wanted to you can go to out now with aaron and abe on itunes and go to the little ratings tab and give us a rating interview which will be wonderful thank you so much in advance okay so the other thing we need to go over before we get to the rest of the stuff Summer movie gamble. X. Oh boy! Mm-hmm. You know, it, you, you know, Doctor Strange has been riding high for the past couple of weeks. Uh-huh. It's like you know, it's the first movie this summer. We made a bunch of money and what have you, and then the weeks in between, it's been you know a lot of like smaller stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, of course, there are some movies that are in contention, like Downton Abbey, which is not making a ton of money, but who knows how things are going to turn out right? by the end of this. But of course, we have Top Gun Maverick this week. Um. This is uh, it, it is more than doubled the opening weekend record for Tom Cruise uh, by making uh, by the end of this Memorial Day weekend, it will have made one hundred and fifty million dollars in the U.S. alone. Boom. Uh, it is forming far stronger uh, than some might have anticipated. 
Uh, and it's certainly <laughs> going to be a movie to reckon with by the end of the summer as far as what its total is going to be. Yeah. Uh, the, A pl- the A plus cinema score does not hurt. <laughs> the, right. int- the intensely positive rating do not hurt. Uh, the, the widest released film of all time certainly doesn't hurt. <laughs> so uh, it has a lot going on in its favor. Uh, right now and yeah it's uh certainly doing quite well in the, in the scheme of things it certainly uh, is and it, it, it's one of those things where i um, have been trying to see it a second time and all of the premium format theaters are just packed like okay i can't find i, I tried to check check out like the 9 a.m shows packed mm-hmm. i tried to check out like the late night shows like 10 30 plus packed i'm like oh i guess i'll have to wait till a weekday and just call in sick or something and go check it out again <laughs> in a premium format theater. Yeah, so because now all y'all are going to be thinking is Doctor Who and then Downtown Where, because Top Ten's <laughs> really going up there. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, Top Gun. I mean, we have plenty of weeks to go as far as where things end, but it's certainly going to be on the high end of things given this launch. Mm-hmm. Um, and let's see, Doctor uh, Doctor Strange, meanwhile, still is at 370. It's going to cross 400 at some point. Um it's going to certainly be, you know, higher up. Yeah. Uh, by the end of things worldwide, by the way, it's at 868. Um, I don't know if it gets to a billion, but it's certainly, you know, it's 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 knocking at its door. So you know we'll who's not mad about that? Everybody who made that movie. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we did our jobs, guys. I just hope it like lets Sam Raimi be like, so guys, I did this. <laughs> right. Can I like make whatever How I want? How about I again? scratch my own back now? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> But yes, uh, Top Gun doing impressively well. Uh, Anna, uh, you you very much correctly called that it's going to be a huge hit. It, it, mm-hmm. Not that any of us got it to be a, a hit, but it's certainly a, it's certainly doing like monstrous numbers. I've been telling Abe, I've been telling Aaron when he did this whole summer gamble, I was like, mm-hmm. you should put it number two. Oh, you, you have two. it at number two, Anna? I would, I would put it maybe even one, like, but I was telling him when he was doing his, um, like roster for the films, I was like, really, you're going to put it, did you put it at five? I have it at five. I have it at six, I believe. Okay. Well, you went further down because you had said five originally. I'm sorry. I have it at at four. Okay. A little higher, but I really think like a two spot is deserving because like, As we're gonna get into it, like it's 36 years after, right? 36? Mm-hmm. Yeah, like 35, 36. Um, so like it's becomes like quite an anticipation. And like a lot of people, like how many have seen Tom Cruise on the big screen for a while? Like, yes, there's the Mission Impossible films in the past, like with Fallout in 2018, but like this is like really a big event, especially just being on the big screen. So we're getting out of like people want to go back to the movie theaters too. So right. I just feel like it's, it's going to, you know, soar higher than, than anticipated. Yeah. Yeah. No, it, it's, it's certainly, it's certainly doing so, so far. All right. Well, we're going to talk more about Top Gun Maverick soon enough. Indeed. Uh, but that is our, well, our summer gamble. I'm going yeah, yeah. to just add that the reasoning of this too, is just like, I remember that there's no points for second place. So <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's a good one. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's why i make fun of scott all the time since he's never won no since, since, sorry, sorry since box office expert scott mendelson has never won yeah <laughs> since verified forbes contributor scott mendelson. <laughs> we love scott. now we're just laughing yeah. uh, <laughs> 
All right. Uh, let's move on now. Oh gosh. Let's get to let's let's get us about no cookies. Trademark. Each week now we we do it. Kim. Happy with that. That's pretty good. Mm-hmm. Abe, uh, you were absent last week. I'm curious, what have you seen recently? I was absent last week. Uh, I was uh, a little bit under the weather, so thanks for covering. Uh, you and Peter did for great. sure. And it was uh, one of those things that I really wanted to talk to you guys about. Men, <laughs> mm-hmm. I listened to your. I, I listened to what you guys said about it. Uh, I would agree that it, I. My takeaway was that it's it's certainly a movie of ideas. You know, something that I would have brought up that you brought up too is like, hey, you know, Alex Garland has been toying with this for about 15 years. Off and on, you know, he's been he's been writing it, you know, going back to it. So it certainly feels like it has evolved a lot. And I think that you mentioned at one point in the review that it, it there's like a, a cosmic joke, like a space, uh, you know, a terror, like the space time continuum or something like that. Like, yeah, I was like, I don't know what she's looking at either in the sky, but I'm curious. I also would have uh, wanted to uh, point out uh, if I was on the show that it's been fascinating to read the Alex Garland interviews. And just having him say like, yeah, I, I would like to hear what you think about what the ending means too. Like there's just, there's just even internally, he's just, he's not sure about what he was. I, I don't know if he's not sure, but there was certainly like interpretation of what he was trying to, to do and make. And I certainly had a lot of different ideas about like what it, what it all could have meant, um, including like just uh, you guys talked about the faces and it was very interesting just to, to possibly get step inside the shoes of, um, of our protagonist, uh, and kind of just think Harper. Yeah. Harper. Um, and just think, uh, who's she played by? Um, I know it, it blinked on me too. Uh, I, just, I was I'm like, just, Jamie Bell. That's about, not right. I'm thinking about Top Gun <laughs> a lot right now. <laughs> yeah. Jesse Buckley. Jesse Buckley. Yeah. Jesse Buckley. And, and kind of just the idea that uh, all men kind of look the same. That was an interesting idea. Not not my original one, but certainly one that I was like, oh yeah, that kind of makes sense that you know everybody in the town has like the same face as Rory Kinnear, but she doesn't really mind because you know men are men kind of thing. It's like that. That's an interesting. Did you did you like the movie overall? Overall, I thought it was interesting. I don't know if I would say that it's my own. I favorite Alex Garland's. I think you guys are both mixed on it too. Um, mm-hmm. I was mixed on it, but maybe more of just because I had read some of the interviews of him saying like. I wasn't really sure, you know, and kind of taking on ideas of whether that be um, birth life, you know, uh, a tale of Adam and Eve kind of thing. Like certainly was a trying effort and cinematography. Fantastic. Like there, there's like really, yeah, that's what Peter and I certainly leaned on. Like it's certainly like, it's not like it's a bad, badly made movie. Right. Yeah. yeah. Technically it looks fantastic. I mean, it's really cool that it's like a, a location and I'm glad that it didn't kind of just end up in, a spot that I thought it was going to end up in, which would have been like the bathroom sequence where it was just like, Oh, well, I guess things are inevitable. And it's like, no, she actually fights back. And there's, there's a little bit more to it, like a little bit weirdness to it. Um, Mm -hmm. But I was mixed on it. And I I would say that you can check it out. I I would love for people to check it out and kind of like hear their thoughts, but I would probably say that it's more of a streaming thing, like an HBO streaming. Um, And then the other movie that I watched that you guys also talked about was um, the Chippendales rescue Rangers movie. I just mm-hmm. found it very delightful. I thought it was very like the word that I, I used in a lot of my friend chats when I was uh, telling them about it was like, it's breezy. Like it just starts and it keeps going. Like it doesn't really linger. Like there's not a whole lot of um, like uh, elbow nudging. You know what I mean? Like, Hey, look at this. It's, it's ugly Sonic. Remember? It's like, no, it has its <laughs> jokes, but it just keeps going. And what I really dug about it is that there's, there's actually like, a very interesting plot about it like which is to say that 
what happens to you after a certain age in Hollywood, maybe, but then also just um, a lot of like funny insider jokes like, oh, I haven't seen spaghetti dogs before, but I've certainly seen, you know, covers that look like it um, and everything like that, like the lion princess or the cases. But uh, it's very funny how they dealt with that. The other thing I would say is that I was very surprised that Disney kind of like gave them a lot of green lights to take jabs at them. But hey, you know, I'm, I'm glad that you can laugh at yourself. Um, but I, I would recommend it. it. It's a fun movie. It's again, very short, very breezy, but I, I just like the, the, the talent that's behind it. I, I know it wasn't written by Lonely Island. It was written by two other folks, um, but uh, it's, it's really fun. And so I would recommend it. The last thing I saw was the other release of this week, uh, which is the Bob's Burgers movie. And that is very fun. Like I, I, I agree. Yeah. I, I, I enjoyed it because I felt as though it was like a, a sure an extended episode, but it, I don't I saw it with an audience that was really into Bob's Burgers and so we all kind of knew the references to Kuchikopi and Melted Kuchikopi and then like you know the raccoon and like people were just like I was surprised I sat in like the I usually don't sit in the you know how there's like a stadium seating but then there's like the lower seating um, yeah I usually don't sit there but because I didn't want to like really be near anybody it wasn't super packed but it was like maybe a third packed Mm-hmm. And when I got up to leave, I was like, I left after all the credits because, you know, Aaron and I, we always ask people to, to watch the credits. It's still part of the movie. Um, and, and there was something after the credits. There was, yeah, it was a small little funny joke, but everybody was still there. I was I was expecting the theater to be empty. And yet here all these people were that were fans of the show that, that really dug it. And people kind of came dressed as like some of the characters and people brought blankets. And it was really just, it felt like it was like a nice, like, sleepover movie like hey let, let's all like hang out and watch the bob's burgers movie and uh, again there's a, a lot of heart in it and a lot of like really good bob's burgers sentimentality um that if you watch the show and you watch certain episodes you get the feel of but yeah it was, it was really nice and a lot of laughs like especially like you know louise falling into the hole everybody had a, a fantastic reaction to it so I, I would recommend people go check it out if you are a fan of the of the series. If you're not, you know, I don't think you're. I think you're still going to have a, a very high level of enjoyment for just what what it's presenting to you. But I mm-hmm. I, I would agree because as one that's more of a casual fan of Bob's Burgers, I can't say I know every single reference, right. but I've watched enough of the show where I get the basic premise. But even then, I do think it's made in, a, and I think it's reflective of the show in general. Mm-hmm. I think the show itself isn't one where it needs a heavy continuity for you to like pick up. You can just jump on on like season nine and be fine. Like it's not like it's dependent on you understanding the dynamics because it's very straightforward. It's a family. Mm -hmm. They own a burger shop. They get in adventures. Yeah. Um, And I think, I do think the movie feels like that as far as if you're just walking in blind, you get to see this animated thing about this family that quickly establishes the kind of personalities they have. Yeah. And it's fun and it's fun and heartfelt. Like you said, I, if they had any complaint, it's that it's, somewhat trying to be a musical but i think the best song comes right away and then never gets back to that level again and i was like ah like for a show that's you know every week it has new musical end credits and it's like for a show that like constantly changes it up with the music i was hoping for more fun music scenes but you know it's fine i I, it's not like that took away intensely from the movie i thought it was well made it it showed like Yes, it's a like an extended episode, but it still like has some animation touches to yes. show the cinematic scope that it's going for. Right. I appreciate it. Yeah, I appreciate it brings it back some like <laughs> it brings back some fun characters that like people from that know the show know already, right. but are still fun on their own. Like Zach Alphanakis and Kevin Klein's characters. Yeah. Like so, there's just there's a lot of I had a lot of fun with it. I think it's uh, 
it, it has a level of sweetness that I really enjoyed. I like the what it did with the various characters. The kids in particular have like little arcs that I like. Right. All three of them have like their own storyline arc. I, I, the last thing I'll mention is you talked about the musical aspect. Bob's Burgers, I love their musicals um, whenever they're doing it. Um, and then what I really dug about this one is they actually gave the uh, the anime characters dance moves. Like they gave them like stage yeah. dance moves, yeah. which I thought was really, really fun because I haven't, you know, you, you watch animated movies and they're they're like either marching or like, you know, twisting like some pop star, whatever the case is. But this is like literal, like, like Broadway style, like dance moves. And I was like, I was really kind of taken aback and surprised by that because um, it was fun to watch and it was it was really fun to kind of like check that out. And I also I haven't done much research on it yet, but I would I would be curious to see if they rotoscope some stuff or if they just hand drew it or, you know, uh, drew it regularly. But yeah, it was it was a really nice touch to to the dance numbers. Okay, so that's the Bob's Burgers movie, which also opened this weekend. It mm-hmm. sounds like we both enjoyed it quite a bit. Yeah. Anna, how about you? What have you seen recently? Uh, well, I was trying to rewatch La La Land, and knowing me, I just got tired, so I didn't finish it. <laughs> Good movie. Uh, <laughs> I know I've seen it before, but and pull, then, pull it an Abe, I see. <laughs> yes, I, I really, really have. But you know, I've been really busy with other things, and then I do. Trying of to course, but of course, you've actually seen the movie before, so at least you have like a reason for not finishing it right away. <laughs> <laughs> it's, not like, it's not like you're gonna wait there for months to be like, I wonder what happens next. <laughs> that is true, because like, like you said, I have seen it. I just wanted to put a movie on one night, and I was just like falling asleep and didn't finish it. And then, of course, trying to watch films for the festival, I kind of feel like this could be my last year. I'm just kind of getting tired. <laughs> with other things so that's about it really like of course top gun maverick but Mm -hmm. really slowing down the movie watching okay we'll we'll get back to top gun for sure (laughs) um i've got a few things here i mean i meant you mentioned the bob's burgers movie already so we got that um i watched george carlin's american dream which is a new documentary a two-part documentary about george carlin um, it's from uh, Judd Apatow and a co-director whose name I do not have offhand, but it's it, he previously did a Gary Shandling documentary, which was another two-part documentary that focused on the life of Gary Shandling. This one's on Carlin, and it, it's certainly pretty fascinating to see a lot about like who Carlin is and how he evolved as a comedian over the over the years, um, and it includes a very personal look at like his his family life and everything. Um, for like a essentially a four hour doc that I watched in pieces because that's a lot of movie. Um, mm-hmm. I, I, there's there's a lot to there's a lot to take away from someone that was you know ra- rather brilliant as far as being both a stand up and someone that's almost a philosopher in terms of kind of like the ways he was trying to look at things and express that to people to his audiences regardless of whether you agree or not with them. He certainly had a perspective, and I do think the doc does a good job of bringing together a lot of footage, a lot of talking heads and what have you. It's not very innovative as far as documentaries go, but it's certainly informative. Um, and so it's one, it's on HBO Max streaming right now for anyone that's you know interested in George Carlin. And it's one that I'd certainly recommend. When does the second part come out? Or is are they it? Both are, they're both, they're both okay. already out. They're both okay. already out. Yeah. Um, and the other thing I watched, um, there, there are a number of like, um, like Blu-ray special boutique shops like Kino and Shout Factor and what have you. There's one called Imprint. Um, that's from Australia. They just released a the deluxe edition of the Warriors. Um, oh. I am a huge fan 
of the Warriors. And fun fact, the Warriors is the first movie that the lovely right to recite on Abash right here has watched with me. We we both watched that together. <laughs> what a um, what a great so... introductory date night movie. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, but I, 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 I'm a huge fan of the Warriors. Walter Hill's 1979 movie, um, classic. And up until up until now, it's only been available on Blu-ray in its director's cut form, mm-hmm. um, which I do. I don't prefer to the theatrical. Mm-hmm. Cut. The director's cut adds these kind of like um, these comic book like interstitials to like get to new scenes and make some other choices. It's not like bad, but it's just I don't prefer it to the theatrical cut. So now this new deluxe Blu-ray has both cuts. And so I was very happy to finally watch the original version of The Warriors uh, on Blu-ray. And it looks wonderful. And nice. it's great. Like the movie's <laughs> the movie rocks. It's got a great soundtrack. It's got cool action. Mm-hmm. It, it's got it's got a bunch of people dressed like butter uh, like uh, baseball players wearing makeup and then the Warriors <laughs> beat them up. It's great. <laughs> it's about a bunch of guys. I gotta get back to Cody Island. Right. <laughs> and, and it's really it's really cool to watch. Uh, they keep talking about remaking it in LA. And I'm like, all right, cool. Go ahead and do that. But I'm cool with the like the war is great. <laughs> they're they're gonna try they're trying to remake it in LA. Like originally they were gonna make it in oh, LA. Oh, oh okay. The original one. But but okay. yes, but if they do make a remake, and I know Tony Scott um he was lined up to do mm-hmm. it. And I think I think Fuqua's on oh, it wow. now, maybe. But it's but they've been like saying they're gonna make a new one for a while. Sure. But the idea would be yes to make it an LA movie this time around, which would be interesting for sure. What? But regardless. It's not going to take away from this movie, The Warriors, which right. rocks. So I was just very no, happy to see. No, of course it. not. All right. That was on our quickies. Trademark. Let's move on now. Let's get to our trailer talk, where we talk about one of the newest movie trailers of the week, when it's coming out, what we thought of it, and what have you. This week, we have one Tom Cruise movie to talk about in full, but we have another Tom Cruise to talk about that's coming out a year from now. It is Mission Colon Impossible Dash Dead Reckoning Parentheses Part One Close Parentheses. <laughs> Part one. <laughs> yes, it's a two-part. Thank you for all the punctuation. <laughs> I, I thank Christopher McQuarrie, who's like, guys, <laughs> literally see this next one. Um, so yeah, the first trailer for Mission Impossible Seven, essentially, which once again uh, finds Tom Cruise, Ving Rhames, Simon Pegg, uh, I believe, returning Rebecca Ferguson mm-hmm. and uh, Vanessa Kirby, uh, doing something that's going to involve saving the world from whatever. Um, some new people here in here too. We see uh, Haley Atwell from the Captain America movies, Shea Wiggum, uh, Henry Cherney's returning from the first movie as, as a Katrich. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> I believe Carrie Elwes is in here somewhere. So I guess Carrie like Elwes in this movie. So it's like a Days of Thunder crossover. Yes, now. Cold Trickle. <laughs> <laughs> so, there's a lot of things going on here. Uh, they've been shooting this movie back to back with an eighth movie. Um, filming with a lot of IMAX cameras, and we've seen some of the stunts are happy when the trailer obviously hints at things. But Abe, what do you what do you think of this this first trailer for? I, I remember all of this title? Uh, hearing about, you and I talked about how trailers kind of come specifically for some movies and how we liked that. And then when I sat down to watch uh, Mich- or I'm sorry, Top Gun Maverick, you know how there's like at least 15 minutes of trailers, and I kind of got lulled. Uh, and then uh, before the movie starts, this one comes on. I was like. Oh, that's right. Yeah, there's going to be this Mission Impossible trailer that's tied to Top Gun. Uh, blown away by it. I, I I loved it. I loved that there was Kittredge kind of just telling me that like <laughs> that uh, uh, Ethan has to like choose a side and whatever the case is. All these action shots, and then it just goes instrumental. And I was like, this is this is like a, a throwback trailer. You know what I mean? Where it's just like, here's all these cool, awesome shots so that you can visualize it and feast on it without having to worry about like, you know, a pop song choice or whatever the case is. 
and just really be enthralled by Rebecca Ferguson with an eye patch with a sniper rifle. <laughs> you know what I mean? It was it was uh, great. I I hesitate to watch it again to try and like nitpick things out of it, but I, I really dug this trailer. And am I bummed out that it's two parts? Kind of, but not really. Like, kind of just mean like, well, I, I don't know if I want to wait like two years to like watch. Like, it's coming the year after this one. Well, they're Lord of the Ringsing it. Yeah, I mean they filmed they filmed it back to back, so it's not like they have to wait too. Long. Yeah, but I, I am very um very intrigued by it, and I've been a fan of Mission Impossible series, and they they seemingly have gone on to become better like each each uh, mm-hmm. each subsequent uh, addition to the franchise. You mentioned the pop song. I mean, that Fallout trailer uses that friction song, and it's like that's one of the best trailers I've ever seen. <laughs> like, it's amazing. <laughs> true, true, true. Yeah, I mean, the use of pop songs is also great. But I, I know yeah. what you're saying in a general sense for sure. Yeah. It's certainly a trope that uh, can be tiresome. Right. Um, Anna, where, where, where are you with with Mission Impossible? We, we've seen the last several of these together. Right, and I I do like the Mission Impossible films, and like Abe had signed in, and like about it's definitely progressed. Like even with technology and like stunts of course being Tom Cruise attached to it so it's only gets better right and I'm like uh I don't know about that uh but of course we'll have some real life action um stunts because that ending of him jumping off with the motorcycle it's like that that's that's what we're doing (laughs) Which is very much real. Like they, yeah, <laughs> I was the, the, news, the, the, the news was all over that when they were doing it that day. He was very much actually driving up a cliff of a motorcycle. Yeah, I was like, Isn't I'm pretty sure Tom Cruise did this, but did they see GI in the background? Because <laughs> I mean, you can see the you can see the footage of him doing this thing. Yes, it's crazy. Paparazzi was on hand. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, I I mean, I'm just adding to the to the pile here. I mean, it's a new Mission Impossible movie. Cruise and McQuarrie working together again. I will note that like what I liked about him, you know, it's Mission Puzzle used to be like every on everyone was a new director, right? And now McQuarrie's just like the like he's the David Yates for the Mission Impossible franchise. He's just sticking around. Mm-hmm. And it's you know, on the one like for the Harry Potter films, his films generally just look the same, right? There's not much of a difference in his style between each movie. Yeah. What I liked about Rogue Nation and Fallout is that McQuarrie very much deliberately tried to make it be feel like different films he had a different cinematographer he had a different crew like he wanted yeah. to make it feel like it was a new experience and i feel like i'm getting that from this in this trailer so far like there's a lot of there's some like really tight face close-ups that i found interesting as far mm-hmm. as like what he's doing at least in the, the glimpses that we saw the nature of the action just has a certain kind of feel to it obviously it's a trailer so it's edited a certain way but i you know it's not like i think he'd give up on doing that like he just did it for fallout so i mean i'm i'm certainly curious from a you know a technical standpoint, what he tends to what he wants to do is in terms of like mixing up the look of this. Right now, it looks like Mission Impossible: Lawrence of Arabia. Yeah. So I'm I'm curious what that's going to be. That certainly is something that I wanted to bring up later when we discuss uh, Top Gun Maverick. Just you know, um, you mentioned McQuarrie and Cruz, so I'll, I'll hold for for later. For sure, yeah. But um, one last thing: the the joke I've always had about Mission Impossible in its like days now is that if he made the first Mission Impossible today, he would have done that bullet train stunt for real. Now it's like, well, they got a train. He's actually doing it for real. <laughs> like he's actually doing the stunt now. So, I, uh, I'll be curious. Oh yeah, there's how, a train in the, there that's falling off. Yeah, there's a big, yeah, there's a train thing going on. So I'll be curious how the how the train part plays out in this movie for sure. <laughs> um, but yeah, Mission Impossible. Sorry, Mission Colon Impossible Dash Dead Reckoning Parentheses Part One and Parentheses arrives in theaters July July fourteenth. 
2023. So um, we got a more than a year <laughs> to wait on this one. All right. That's been our trailer talk. Let's move on now. Let's get to the main event. Our main review for Top Gun, Colin Maverick. Your instructor is one of the finest pilots this program has ever produced. His exploits are legendary. What he has to teach you may very well mean the difference between life and death. Your reputation precedes you. I have to admit I wasn't expecting an invitation back. They're called orders, Maverick. That should have been some of the trailer for Top Gun Maverick. While interest has been around for years, official development for a sequel to 1986's Top Gun began in 2010. Cruz, Kilmer, Bruckheimer, and director Tony Scott were all on board. In 2012, the film was put on hold due to the unfortunate death of Tony Scott. Cut to 2017, where Oblivion director Joseph Kaczynski was brought on by Cruz and a new script was written. Now we have Top Gun Maverick. Set in real time over 30 years since the previous film, Pete Maverick Mitchell serves as a Navy test pilot, avoiding promotion in the process so he can stay in the air. Nearly grounded after one heck of a stunt, Maverick's old pal Iceman helps him helps have him ordered to North Island, where Maverick will have to train an elite group of pilots for a dangerous mission. Complicating matters is the presence of Bradley Rooster Bradshaw, son of Maverick's former wingman and best friend Goose. Abe, we've yes. talked a lot about Tom Cruise over the years. We have. What's been your anticipation level for Top Gun Maverick, and what did you think of the film? I mean, if anyone who's a fan of the show has been listening to me like say like I would pay fifty dollars. <laughs> In the pandemic to go watch this right now uh and also just in terms of uh my anticipation for it i would i just talked earlier about me trying to go get like another premium screening viewing <laughs> of this at any time of the day uh i wish they had like a 2 a.m one because i would show up to that but <laughs> it has been kind of through the roof and mostly just because um i am a big fan of, of tom cruise like his movies his movie style the way that he does things and kind of just um, have been sort of like he's been in my life now for the entirety of it because I remember watching Top Gun, you know, very early on. It was already released when I when I saw it, but it was only like five years old or something like that when when I got my my chance to go see it. Um, and again, I, he's just this uh, this movie star in my head that is somebody that really just goes for it. So Top Gun Maverick in itself um, is really good. Like I, I really, really enjoyed it for a lot of reasons, but I felt as though it was very good on the front of um, here's like this, this giant, great, beautiful summer blockbuster movie, but it also has like a semblance of uh, a thanks and also like maybe even possibly like a fond farewell, but I really dug it for almost everything that we've come to know in Tom Cruise for practical in-camera effects, um, kind of the way that he, uh, talks uh, sort of what you just talked about there with like working with directors and writers and whatever the case is and we can get into details later but like overall I was I was um, I dug the story because it was a fairly simple simplistic plot much the same way the first Top Gun is 
you know, there's like a, a bad guy, there's a mission and there's a clock, um, two clocks, actually one of them to do the maneuvers and the other one, just like, you know, a, a clock rundown of when this is going to happen. But I also found the movie quite emotional at times in a way that is not, um, not like sort of, uh, cheap. If that makes sense, like it felt as though it was earned in some of these moments. Um, and then I also just really dug it's callbacks. Like there, there's really some specific niche callbacks that maybe if you haven't seen the first one in a while, you might miss, but there's also like really subtle ones, like who Jennifer Connelly plays and whatever else. So it, it's really uh, a movie that I thought was well developed and then well shot and then well executed. And as Aaron mentioned, it's got an A plus cinema score. So it's, it's jiving a lot with a lot of audience members. But I, I really, really dug this movie. I can't wait to go see it again. Anna, you're a big Top Gun fan. What did you think <laughs> of this return to fighter weapon school? I honestly think, um, kind of echoing Abe, it is a great film. I think it's a great summer blockbuster film. It has a great mix of nostalgia and telling of a new story. And, of course, we'll get into a lot of things. But there's also these callbacks, like Abe was saying, like, even to the like the quotes, you know, like talk to me goose or, you know, I had the need, like there's all these old quotes from the original film coming back in to tie into the storyline. And just like when the movie starts, like the logo itself, like there's all these little nostalgic moments that are there and they do help guide the film. I kind of feel like it would be, it's not needed, but like if the, new crew could have like their own you know memor memor what's the word (laughs) memorable quotes for them because there's not anything you walk away from the film thinking like you need to quote a movie for you know word for word but i think that's where it kind of lacks on that part but it does a great job of the storytelling though like gabe said being having like simplicity with it and kind of just doing this wrapping up an old story to see where it goes if there were to be like a third one and there's something there too that I was just thinking where I'm like wow this is kind of a neat juxtaposition of like not only of like aeronautical like engineering because you know they discuss about like how those are the old jets and they're kind of like those are not going to help and then going to this new future of like you're not going to need pilots and in the juxtaposition I was thinking of is like Yes, that the engineering part of, you know, planes, um, but also thinking how this movie was, how Tom Cruise wanted this movie to be seen on the big screen. And it kind of has that combination of like, okay, also you think about how film technology has progressed as well. That's kind of where like I started sitting with like the film a little bit more. Like, yes, you have all these great feats of like nostalgia, story, old characters, new characters, what really was sticking out to me was again like just that juxtaposition of jets older jets to the future and then seeing with cinema so with all of that said like it it really does a great job of pulling all those in the only thing that I feel is like the weakest part of the film is honestly the soundtrack I feel like Top Gun's 1986 soundtrack like Aaron and I when we went to, to the film yesterday like we were listening to the soundtrack, so it's pretty fresh in my head. Mm-hmm. And that's a great soundtrack, you know, it's it's really great. But I feel like this one, of course, again, like pulling 
not only like quotable lines from Top Gun 1986 to this film, but also they do tie in some older songs and scores. Like I think it's, does it, doesn't it just like introduce like uh, Danger Zone just to kind of get you in the fill as it begins, right? Top Gun Maverick. It's, it's got the Harold Fultemeyer score. Right, right. And so like- That cut, it, are... like it starts with the anthem and then it like cuts to the Danger Zone for the- Right, exactly. So I think that's all, that's totally fine. That's workable in the film. But I feel like there is some weak points with the rest of the soundtrack. And then the the ending credit song, I feel like it's just garbage. <laughs> <laughs> we'll we'll uh, definitely get I, there. <laughs> yeah, so I'll just end there. <laughs> <laughs> um, I um, was quite impressed with how good this movie was. Like, I expect Tom Cruise to deliver because he does. Um, generally, it's it's rare. It's more rare to get a bad Tom Cruise movie than it is to get a great one. Mm-hmm. Um but like the level of which this delivers was very impressive. Uh, I it it just feels like there's such a great effort made here to deliver a sequel that you know respects the original as much as it needs to, references as much as it needs to, but like still finds ways to pave a new way for expanding on what was set up and doing something that feels interesting. Uh, I think Cruz in particular is great in this thing. I he. You know, the, you can say you can argue whether it's like an acting challenge for him, but as far as like what they're doing with the Maverick character, there's a discernible difference between him and Ethan Hunt or Jerry mm-hmm. Maguire. Like this is a very specific character that I think, you know, he and the and the writers involved know how to play, and I like the way it brings in the interactions of him and the other characters who all kind of make up different parts of what makes Maverick tick. Like, I I wouldn't expect this to like pivot away from him and focus on the other people too much because that's just not what i expect from a movie called top gun maverick so like i wasn't bothered by not having like too much characterization for like the new the new you know pilots or what have you but as far as being a movie focused on maverick and showing what his deal is and what he's going with i i really liked that it felt like a movie that picked up where things would be at this point in his life and try to do something with that along with that this movie like looks fantastic. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like it's so well shot. It, you know, we, you, we mentioned the opening already as far as having like the, you know, it has the, the jets, it has the text on screen, everything like the original Top Gun. And it right. feels like, okay, so he's, so Kaczynski's doing Tony Scott. And mm-hmm. then it breaks away from that, but not in a way that it doesn't still feel like it's a Top Gun movie. It feels like he's doing a great job of picking up like what Scott was going for and adding new flourishes to that. Mm-hmm. And and not just in like, and we'll talk all about the aerial photography, which is spectacular. Yes. Yeah. But like, but like the, just like the, the scenes between the action where you just have like, you know, all these characters or whatnot. I really like what he and the cinematographer, like Claudio Miranda, I, he's, they've worked together on all their films and he's also one of Ang Lee's people as well. Oh, nice. It's a great looking movie. Like there's so much like depth to the screen. There's a lot of like, I, I, like the first Top Gun is, is shot in like this, a very specific way where it feels like a music video it has this kind of a lot of bright colors it has a lot of like it has a, a use of editing that's very specific right. this one is it's doing that but in a modern way where it still feels like all the characters are designed to like look as good as possible given like the use of sunlight and everything it has these wide shots it has these it has enough like context for each character like there's a lot going on there and then it like mixes that with amazing action footage that's i mean done real and even areas where they have to you know use visual effects or what have you it's not like it's seamless like it's it's ridiculous so it's 
from a filmmaking perspective, it's very impressive. From like a story perspective for a movie that doesn't require to, there to be like a whole lot of story or at least something that's entirely meaningful, it's still impressive. And it has this like level of nostalgic respect for the original that doesn't mm -hmm. feel overwhelming on this film, which I really appreciate it. The best mm -hmm. kinds of these legacy mm -hmm. sequels are able to do that. I think Creed is a great example of that. And right. It's very similar to this as far as how do you do this thing again and make it feel like something new uh, without making it feel like it's pandering. And there are a lot of ways this movie could have pandered. Top Gun is a very quotable, very memeable, very gif heavy movie that has all kinds of things. And this movie has a lot of it. Like it certainly takes all of it. It takes the, you know, takes great balls of fire. It takes, you know, beach sports scene, but somehow it makes all these things work. Like I would, I, so I'm just, I'm very impressed that it doesn't just feel like this. Oh, we did one. It feels like, no, we're going to take this seriously, which it does. Right. <laughs> and it's, and it's just, I, I was impressed all the way through. It's a, it's a lot of fun. Uh, I have, you know, some quibbles or whatever we can get into, but yeah, I thought this was just a, a really, really solid summer blockbuster. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I, I certainly want to get into some of the making of it as we, as we deep dive into some of these topics that we wrote down here. But um, I mean, first things first, like just the way that it got made, like, again, you mentioned Rocky and Creed, and that's also a, a if you take like 70, is it 76 or 79 Rocky? 76. 76 and take it to all the way to Creed. That's, that's also a very long time. Um, obviously he's made uh, Sylvester Sloan has made things in between, but um, when you have things like this, you tend to think of um, they're just going to do beat for beat the same thing. Uh, you know, they're just going to reshoot it with like, you know, modern technology and just kind of go for beat for beat. But I think to all of our points here, Cruz just doesn't work that way. Cruz would mm -hmm. never be like, I'm going to do something so lame like this. That would be, um uh uninteresting and not worth anybody's time to go see at a movie theater so sure. kudos to him for being like yeah i i, I love the story that kaczynski mentions um about how this movie got made and it's like you know he's got this idea as, he, as he's making like oblivion and whatever else and then he goes to pitch tom cruise as they're filming uh i think like rogue nation or or a fallout probably fallout um and tom cruise is like he picks up the phone and calls Paramount and says, we're going to make Top Gun 2. And that's how this movie got greenlit. Like, that's such a powerful move to just be like, I'm going to call Paramount and just be like, just give us the funding because we're, we're going to have to make this movie. Um, and again, like 36 at that time, I guess like 30 years later, what what a, it had to have been a great idea for Tom Cruise to come on board with this. Yeah, he's I mean. He's a guy that wants he wants to get something done. He's going to get it done, right? right. Um, that, that's that's proven to be the case with someone like Tom Cruise, and and not half-assing. It's a big part of it as well. Um, and I mean, credit to him. I mean, he's been a movie star for nearly forty years, right. or over. I mean, I guess over forty years, but I mean, well, almost. I mean, but if, the fact that he can make that and make that you know feel relatable to all audiences, it's it's very impressive. Um, yeah. and mm -hmm. when you, when you can bring on all the right people, that certainly helps as well. You mentioned, and we can talk about it if you want to, um, yeah. you know, he has McCory here as one of the co-writers and he's certainly been one of Cruz's guys, um, you know, for the, for the better part of a decade now at this point, who like, right. he's someone that he works with constantly, uh, cause he seems to, they just seem to get, they each get other. each other. Yeah. They, I mean, they, they done Jack Reacher and then they did a whole bunch of the mission Impossibles. in terms of, uh, that aspect of it. Again, this is a, a credit to Cruz. Like he he does find like he you know how like Spielberg finds his his guy sometimes, or mm -hmm. Quentin Tarantino will find his guy that will give the like almost like a, a, as a muse. 
I think that works both ways with Tom Cruise. Like Tom Cruise is somebody's muse, but also at the same time, he's looking for people that will challenge and bring insight to him. So he's worked with Spielberg a few times, but um, I think with like Tom Cruise's mentality, he just really wants to work with like really talented people. So when you brought up that McQuarrie did two Mission Impossible movies, but made them feel and look different. That's probably something that Tom Cruise probably really digs as well. You know, like if you're not just David Yatesing it and making everything like David Yates has run at least seven movies now in the Harry Potter franchise. And I mentioned this on, on the most recent one. It's like, it just looked all looks the same, like at least change something up, like, you know, get a new director so we can get a different visual flair. So it doesn't feel so quote unquote stale, but I love that Cruz just tends to try and find out all or try and find all of these really like thoughtful, hardworking people that he can also go 120 miles an hour with because Cruz is going hard all the time, as, as we've seen in the audio leak clips of him on the Mission Impossible set and or just anything else, you know, like he just is always going. So I appreciate that he is finding these people that also want to work as hard as he is. And if you guys mentioned like, you know, Mission Impossible 2, I think that Cruz was like, let's get John Woo. Like, I think it was part of... Oh, yeah, he's a producer. He's, he's always the one picking. Yeah, exactly. Guys. He's the producer. Yeah, so <laughs> it's not as though it was like, uh, yeah, I guess I'll let the studio choose like this up-and-coming director who did Face Off and Broken Arrow. It was like, no, I, I kind of dig his visual style and I want to test it out. And for, for all its, you know, hits and misses, it certainly is a John Woo movie. And Cruz like w- went along with it and uh, it, it's it's certainly a try. So I, I dig that he's working with Macquarie, who seems to get him, like who seems to get his style of humor and, and sensibilities, but also like his emotional depth, because you also mentioned the emotional things in this movie. Oh, yeah. So like, it's true. Like we, we see Tom Cruise now where he's like definitely good, not tour of his in this sort, right? Where he's really researching everything he needs to know to be in his role. And like for this movie, specifically Top Gun Maverick, like it, I don't feel like he would be like, okay, let's make a sequel and just let it be cheesy or whatever and, and maybe not work. He really did his homework and like he brought on the new crew to mm-hmm. also like go into the same training as pilots do so they can really understand and feel like what it means to be up there in the air. And so all of that really just is captivating and it just helps the film even better. Like they're actors and like, that's basically their job. Like they shouldn't just be like, okay, I'm in this role as a pilot. Let's just do this. And they figure it out. If you're a serious actor, you're really going to research, you're going to do your homework and you're really going to try and make it feel as close to the real thing as possible. And I know, especially with films regarding military lifestyle, it's always been up there where it's like, okay, they're, you know, pins, their ribbons, everything is not right. It's not the right uniform or Hollywood was just trying to do military films without the knowledge because not knowing that, you know, of course, anyone can watch a movie and they're going to go over their head. But like for those who are in service, they can tell like, oh, you wouldn't wear that ribbon. Or if, you know, if you're an admiral, like there's different things, right? Of knowledge sure. of knowing. So I think now with Hollywood and the military, they've really come together of like trying to get it right. If not just right, closest to the real thing for you to understand experience, how it is to be a pilot in the Navy and to how to deal with super high-tech aircraft, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, it's so crazy. Like you're talking about the cinematography as well earlier, but like, it's so visceral and 
it's crazy those aerial shots to just see and it's just like it gives you really into the seat of one of those jets and like the F-18s it's just it's wild like I'm I'm such a huge jet nerd like mm -hmm. <laughs> like honestly like Aaron said I'm a big Top Gun fan like I really when I saw the first one and even getting excited for this film was just like I kind of wanted to do that like as a career like I really thought about going into the Navy and going to flight school and so for me it's just really neat to see that on the big screen like we saw an IMAX of course <laughs> and so Aaron wouldn't take me anywhere lesser <laughs> <laughs> it's honestly the best experience to see it in IMAX like mm -hmm. you know there's no CGI here the effects are all real real the stunts are real and it's just like it's really <laughs> it's really amazing to see like this type of film and the kind of push that Tom Cruise and the crew like put to the limits to make it and it's so understandable again to like why would you want a film like this to go straight to streaming you know right. and I think it becomes like lazy for a lot of consider it and think you know what might as well just throw it to streaming like there'll be a lot of people who are going to be comfortable of course at home to watch it and it is what it is but like like I was saying before like that's why I think it's just like so interesting to see like the the similarities of like if you think back the first jet in the navy was an f9f right it was a panther and that being like now in comparison to what they have now it's yeah. kind of like even in the movie like should I do spoilers <laughs> well we, we can we can get of, like, to the jet you, you could kind of mention that it's like fifth gen versus like second gen or some of the cases. Right. But, okay. Okay. But it's very advanced. So like, right. So you have like things where I'm just like, okay, this makes so much sense of like seeing the similarities. And yeah. what I end up thinking in my head was like, the, what is, what it's kind of identified as the first film is the great train robbery. Right. And you think of that film and that film was seen in a theater. And it's kind of like how movies are kind of supposed to be seen as, right? Like in a theater. And we kind of gone to this area of like comfortable, like it's easy to just watch something at home, which is nice. I'm not putting it down, but like, it's understandable for Tom Cruise of like, hey, I want this on the big screen right. because film has changed just like the planes have, you know? So you think about that movie, The Great Train Robbery, like that had some great changes of technology itself. Like it was introducing cross-cutting, editing like that was a new technique for that era and so now we're here we are with Top Gun Maverick and again not using CGI which isn't a bad thing you know we've seen it in other movies mm -hmm. but he's really like making it to be like this is a cinematic experience like this is how film has come to be now like with the Sony I know you put in this to the cameras right and like how they put them actually inside the fighter jets so you right. can get that experience it's incredible yeah. uh, in a lot of in a lot of these like aerial scenes let's talk about the action for a bit here because sure. like it is it's shot so so crisply <laughs> where you get these is, like, it, you, you is get, it high res or like they, well they use they use they use imax cameras yeah. um they use imax like cameras the and then they also okay. use like the new like you mentioned like, the the sony venice rialtos which mm -hmm. shoot like 6k so it was like mm -hmm. I mean, they're using like new technology in really tight spaces. But Aaron, go ahead. Well, yeah, they they mounted these things in the in the cockpits because they want to like convey the fact that you know these these actors are 
really experiencing like the G forces right. that come at you um, to, to pull off certain maneuvers, regardless of the fact that they're not actually flying you know, F-18s or what have you. They're still like being put in a situation where they are feeling the force of this and trying to act at the same time, which yeah. seems mm-hmm. like no small feat. Um, but in terms of like the area, like just the, the look of these jet fighter scenes, you know, like the first one was revolutionary at its time because it was doing something innovative. Like it was presenting jets in a way you haven't seen them in a movie before mm-hmm. um this is better <laughs> like, there's no other way to say it this does a better job at that because well we have the technology mm-hmm. to right. do that yeah but you but they it looks so like the thing i one thing i complained about on the commentary for the original top gun is i don't think the third act action is all that exciting because the things that happened before it they're just they're like it's more it's more intriguing yeah i think there's like a storyline mixed with the action this, in the previous yeah and, and by the time maverick gets back in the air to save ice yeah like the the, the crux of the movie's already been solved like he's already like getting over goose he's you know he's he's dealing with his father like all that stuff's done so it's just like oh well, we need an action scene also yeah this movie is like what if we take the last 40 minutes and just make it the action <laughs> right. scene and it's amazing yeah <laughs> and, and even even better they pull off like a titanic slash star wars where they tell you exactly how it's going to go down yeah. mm-hmm. and then you watch it happen and because you have that knowledge because they've ingrained it in you for the past two hours right. You're like, okay, I know where this is going. Mm-hmm. You like, you're not, you don't have to think about like, what is it that he needs to do? You know the plan. Yeah. And now you just see to see them execute it. And it's like the way they mix it up and provide drama for it. And again, still shooting with real jets, yeah. <laughs> a lot of this stuff. It's mm-hmm. just exhilarating to watch. Right. It's so, like, I was so invested in what was happening here, which I found myself very, again, very impressed by yeah. it. Like, it finished, it, it made the action more exciting than i had expected because i was just like yeah it's top gun so we'll see you know a lot of Mm -hmm. you know these these navy guys like hanging around and doing their thing or what have you and then occasionally there'll be jet stuff this one's like the jet stuff matters yeah like yeah okay (laughs) it really matters and and you know just on the technology front i mean we mentioned the cameras i was listening to to again mccrory do his interview it's like it was six cameras in the cockpit itself so six of these like sony Mm -hmm. rialto cameras he has like two cameras on the outside like two cameras that are like over the shoulder for like the real pilot who has like the same like helmet as like the actor. And then they also have like helicopters that are flying with these jet engine or these jet fighter planes. So it's like, it's so many cameras. And like he, he, um, he mentions like, um, you know, they, they, it wasn't like a badge of honor for them to have shot like 800 hours of footage. It was just that like they had to do it so many times. And it was incredible just to hear him say like, um, these we had to practice so much because he didn't have mm-hmm. feed into the jets when they're up in the air. So they had to practice on the ground and they had to like go over the lines and whatever else. And then they would do it twice a day, like just two runs twice a day. And it was incredible just the amount of work. And so this goes back to like what we're talking about here with Anna and, and Aaron. You guys mentioned like the Tom Cruise school of, of acting. It's like, it's just really intense. Like you have mm-hmm. to be in it. And it really pays off. Like, what Aaron is saying, it's such an incredible thing to see whether it is them flying just their practice missions. And then you just see like the G forces on even Tom Cruise's old face. Uh, (laughs) And you're just like, this is such an incredible thing to see. These scenes look so great. And I totally agree with you that the, the Tony Scott film it's limited in that they only had like, you know, let's say like two hours of, of aerial footage and they had to just edit it in a very clever way to, to Mm -hmm. make you see it. Cause Aaron mentioned like the 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 ending dogfight sequence in in eighty six Top Gun, mm-hmm. and I was like, I there's two scenes that are the same in that in that ending sequence. 
but you know it is what it is like they only had like enough missiles for this or whatever cases but this movie is just incredible like from the again the technical side of things of just getting these brand new cameras that are small tiny that you could like uh fit into this these jet in the cockpit right right and just like having so much prep time on the ground so that you know when you get up there you just have to act and do very very well because it's just it's such a, a monumental feat so honor to your point about just tom cruise saying like i don't want this to go to streaming first of all you know yes that's i think like it's a, it's a cool tom cruise move to just be like i think i have enough power and sway to be like paramount please don't do this um, but then mm-hmm. also just to be like, I believe firmly in this movie, this movie. and yeah. what it looks like and how you can experience it. And I want to talk about an experience that I had uh, specifically in the scene, but I just believe so firmly in this that I want people to go see this in the theater. I'm willing to wait two years for for it to get released. And that's what happened. Mm-hmm. It's so impressive. Like those aerial shots and like the alt- altitude, like you just think about those cameras and like imagining how much they're actually capturing footage. Like mm-hmm. they probably had like a ton of footage, you know, right. till they finally got right. it right. Over 800 like, hours. Yeah. yeah. They had a lot. Yeah. Crazy. Wow. 800 hours. Right. Wow. That's crazy. But also like, again, with Tom Cruise, like he's also, you know, a pilot himself. So right. it's, it's so crazy. Like it's him also doing like the inverted, you know, move like he's done before and like seeing that, on an IMAX screen was just like, it's like, mm-hmm. wow, you know, yeah. it's like that he just did his old move, like, but it's on a clean, crisp, like, it's just, I don't know, it's very impressive. Like, it was really, it's really a well done film, like Aaron mm-hmm. was saying too. Like, this is like, you've seen sequels before, and like, this is like on the top of sequels of like, you go back as a director and like, what films did well as sequels and this would be definitely in the top you know five like like no doubt like this is something where directors should be like okay let's look and see what they did to learn mm-hmm. because they do get messy sequels can be like too much of information going on too many stories yeah but like this like there's a little bit of everything just to kind of hold it together and like it's not disappointing in how it does it, you know, yeah. even with what characters they bring back and who they don't, like it still moves the film along and it doesn't make it feel like it's um, a failure on anyone's part. Yeah, that's that's something interesting you're bringing up there as far as it being a, a, what I something I really like is that it feels like a movie. And I know that's weird mm-hmm. to say, I hear, but it I know feels like. But it feels like you know adults made this movie mm-hmm. <laughs> to to and it feel and it feels like a natural progression from top gun where today mm-hmm. with a lot of blockbusters regardless of how good they are plenty are good you know it's a lot of it's it's wall-to-wall spectacle and there's a lot of yep. there's there's a lot of appeal to a four quadrant audience in a way that's like let's have as much jokes as we can let's have as much action as we can we'll, we'll fill in the we'll fill in the details as far as characters and stuff as we go and figure it out this movie it, it's so properly paced where it's not a movie that just has like you know it's just an excuse waiting for the next uh, uh, um, aviation scene it's a movie that has actual people, regardless of how deep the characters are. It has actual mm-hmm. characters that, mm-hmm. like, ha- like you know, we get to, we have an opening thing at the beginning that's awesome, and then we we wait a while until we get back in the air right. again. And I'm not bored by that. I think the movie, mm-hmm. I think Kaczynski and the writers, they know what they're doing to kind of set up the stuff that's going to matter. Yeah. So you're getting right. this character interaction that I think works quite well. You're getting to see stuff 
that's presented wonderfully in terms of visuals, regardless of being in the air or not, that looks good. Yeah. You're the way you're getting to certain people. Like we'll talk about Iceman or what have you. When you get to these characters, the movie takes its time and lets you breathe with it. It feels mm-hmm. like a movie. Yeah. It feels like movies are supposed to feel. Before, so really before respect- we get to the, the actress part, I certainly want to just piggyback on what you're saying there and say mm-hmm. what, uh, all that buildup and that intensity and like and going into the air, like again, it's a simplified story which doesn't work against this movie. And mm-hmm. what Aaron mentioned earlier of like they've been drilling this two minute thirty second sequence into your mind for a long time, like what they have to do aerially, and then the scene where I was getting literally nervous, like I was shaking in my seat a little bit was when like Tom Cruise is doing the stunt. And I was like, I, I'm so like on the edge of my seat because I want to see how Maverick does this. And, you know, it, it, it works out for him. But it's like one of those things where it's like, I, I think that there's just a really smart, intelligent thing that Kaczynski, McQuarrie, Cruise, the entire cast and crew have done here, which is like, let's just do this movie so that everyone has a terrific viewing experience with it. And like... I, I can't stress how much like what I agree with Aaron on is like, it's a movie, man. Like when you were mentioning uh, these, these spectacles and four quadrants or whatever else, like I did think about just the Avengers infinity war, the movie that I do really like. I was yeah. like, I like I, that movie looks very different from this movie. Like, you know what I mean? Like it's so yeah. obviously they're different movies in general, but just thinking about the skies or where the, the color palette and whatever it's like, it's just very different looking from this one, which feels very, very practical. feels very, very like, in your face and again these characters that you don't meet a whole lot of them but the people that you do meet you do care for them Mm -hmm. well let's let's talk about that let's talk about these other characters the actors in this movie um, obviously, you know, the, the, the one of the main co-stars is Rooster uh, the young Bradshaw played by uh, Miles Teller um, I personally I thought he was great quite good here I, uh, mm-hmm. I don't have strong opinions on him I think he's generally when I see him he's quite good in things he's great in whiplash um, but I, I think he for one thing, they made him. They certainly made him look like the son of Ed they, Anthony they Edwards really and Brian. Yeah. <laughs> he looks like the yes. product of them. Uh-huh. <laughs> but, uh huh. But he, no, he I thought, looks I, like Meg Ryan and Anthony Edwards. <laughs> yeah, I'm saying yeah, both of them. Yeah, he, he very much looks like the son of those people. Right. Um, but um, but no, I I like the tension between those characters uh, between him and Cruz. I like where things go with them. I think it really naturally gets there, and I think they give Teller some. You know, you can, because we're, you know, we know Maverick and we're on his side by default. Mm-hmm. You can look at, you can look at Rooster and be like, this kid's got to get, you know, he doesn't understand. We yeah. know what's going on here. Right. But, but I think the movie gives him just enough lines and a couple at the end where you get it. Like, regardless mm-hmm. of what Rooster might even know already, what, you know, all the details he could, and he's a smart guy. Like, I'm sure he knows that like Maverick did not kill his father specifically, but like, you get why he has a certain kind of frustration sure. with him. Right. I think the movie really nails that. I think uh, Teller nails that as well. And I think that's like that part right there where you just said like Rooster knowing like there is a sense of him knowing that he didn't because they were friends, you know, his Maverick. Yeah. And, um, oh my gosh, what was his name? Goose. Oh, Goose. Goose. Yes, Goose, sorry. Yeah. So yeah, Maverick and Goose are, you know, best friends, you know, so he does know this. But I think that's what also helps with the storytelling is like for maverick like when he's trained these new pilots for this mission he's also not only just training them to do the mission correctly but he's also trying to 
remind them they have a responsibility to keep each other safe. Mm-hmm. And that's like, he asked them to like, when they do the, the training parts of the mission, he's like, okay, that team is dead. Like, what would you do? What would you say to that family? Right. And so that's like, that's the heart of the, like those emotional moments where you're like, that's totally true. Like, what would you do? Like, what would you say to that family member? Yeah. I, I certainly liked the emotional beats of the gave miles teller. And again, he's not like an ultra deep character, but you know enough about him to just be like, mm-hmm. I, I know who he is because I know who Anthony Edwards was in Top Gun. Um, but at the same time, I really just dug that there's, he, he's actually playing the character with a chip in his shoulder. And sometimes mm-hmm. like those characters can really be assholes. And in this one, they actually were like, you know that he's not an asshole. He's mad about one thing, but the thing is like, he's actually a really good kid and you actually root for him too, which I really dug. I mean, right. You know, and, and so like miles teller, first of all, everyone here is like 0% body fat. And, uh, you know, <laughs> like everyone looks incredible with like in the beach scene, but I dug that miles teller. They're just like, here you go. You're like this aloof guy, but you know, he shows up to like the party with like, you know, a, a Hawaiian shirt, right? It's, it's funny that he's like the most serious one, but he also dresses like, you know, he wears a Hawaiian shirt. He's playing fl- great balls of fire on the piano. Right. <laughs> he's the, he's, he has the mustache. Yeah. Like he's like, he got the mustache. Like he has, yeah. he has the goose like cadence, mm-hmm. but he's also the most serious of the recruits. Yeah. And then right. when you like, find out like what happens like with him and, and how his career has gone, you're like, I, I get it. You know, I get why mm-hmm. you're so, you're trying to prove yourself, but then also at the same time, like, you know, like you also have like this, this, um, like I am the best kind of thing, and which I dig. But, um, you guys want to move on to Glenn Powell? Well, real quick, I would just yeah. say too, yeah. like, I feel like both Maverick and Rooster, the thing they have in common is that they both have a grieving problem. They don't know how we'll get closer to Iceman, but like they don't yeah. know how to like basically let go. Right. Yeah. So mm-hmm. you finally end up seeing their, their character arc with all that, but. That's all I was going to add real quick. Yeah. Yeah, that's fine. I mean, yeah, Glenn Powell is hangman. Like, you know, all the, the rest of the pilots, like, yeah, there's only so oh, much yeah, yeah, Glenn yeah, Powell I, gets. I, yeah. the, but Glenn Powell gets the most to do by default. Exactly. Because he's mm-hmm. kind of this mix of Maverick and Iceman as far as being, like, cocky right. Right. himself. But also, but also, you know, he is a great pilot. He's, great he's pilot. also just mm-hmm. kind of also selfish. Everybody here <laughs> is like a top gun <laughs> graduate. Yeah. <laughs> but but such a what I want to mention about Glenn Powell, and again, we won't go through, like, all the other pilots, is just more yeah, like, sure. Tom, Tom Cruise is like so blown away by his audition. He's like, I, I, I can't, you're not Rooster, but I still want to have you in the movie. And he's just like, here you go. Like you get this other part that is. Oh, so you're saying he auditioned for Rooster originally? Yeah, he did. Yeah, yeah. Oh, and really? Then, yeah. And then and then Tom Cruise, did, Tom Cruise and McCoy didn't think, or Tom Cruise Kaczynski didn't think that he was like the right Rooster fit. But they're like, mm-hmm. hey, we still want you in the movie. So that's weird. Yeah. Like if I, if you should, if you said Glenn Powell is listening for Top Gun, I'd be like, obviously he's listening for Pain. That's, like, that's, oh, oh, that's, yeah. that's the kind of person Powell plays. Like, kind of, that's, like, <laughs> like, wow, in, like in everybody wants some different? and everything else. Like, yeah, that's, he seems like, that like that's, character. that's the kind of roles he's been taking. Like, <laughs> right. All right. But you know, it's so, it's so cool that they're just like, you're, you're so good. We need to cast you as something. And they gave him like the Iceman role, which is like, you're mm-hmm. you're an asshole jerk. You're really good too, but also you have like a softy side. And I really dug that um, they were just like, you know, we have these two lead, these two like up and coming leads, and you guys are gonna have both character arcs in this movie. I, I really dug that about this movie. So, mm-hmm. um, anything else on Glenn Powell? <laughs> 
No, he does a great role. No, he does a great role of being like you yeah. said, like a combination of arrogance, but then also he does care, like yeah. as you see towards the end. So it's just it's a good combination, like Aaron said, of like it's like Maverick and Iceman in one actor. <laughs> right. Yeah. He's got such a shit-eating grin too. I'm just like, get out of here. <laughs> to be clear, to be clear on Iceman. Nothing Iceman does in Top Gun is, is exactly is, except no, for getting out, except for getting out of the way uh, during the training <laughs> yeah. mission because he didn't have the shot and he's like oh just give me one more minute he's like just get out of the way Mav or Ice <laughs> Ice right well let's t- let's talk about Iceman please the former yes. competitor uh, because we have Val Kilmer who you know in the credits I'm thinking okay Val Kilmer's in here what's this going to mean mm-hmm. because obviously Val Kilmer's been in real life dealing with cancer. He's clear of it currently, but he's certainly, you know, it's affected his life. He can he can't really speak much anymore. Right. Um, he's in a certain kind of position. This movie does such a great job with Iceman. Is for one thing, he and Maverick are text buddies, which is hilarious. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I'd like to think they play like words with friends. And stuff I also with each like other how also. the <laughs> in his phone. It's ice. <laughs> yes. Ice. Yeah. Because they're friends now. Iceman seems more threatening. Right. right. Yeah. Ice. My yeah. bell ice. Exactly. Like, he's he's probably just Mav, you know? So it's like, yeah, yeah. yeah exactly. Point. He's right back. Yeah. <laughs> Honey, can you call um, Mav? Yeah. Can you call Mav on the phone. <laughs> Who? Yeah. Who? <laughs> and you know what? Um, they do so yeah. great texting each other that they don't have those three little bubbles popping for a long time. Like they really respond in quick yeah, time. Yeah. They're, they're right on top. They're like, right on top. They're, they're really good. They really are pilots. Yeah, exactly. Uh, I don't want to talk too much about like what we what we see of him in this movie, but I will say like you you know you get to a point where like okay they're going to show us Iceman now what's that going to be and the you know the acting between and I'll back up in a second I I mentioned this on the commentary too but I think it's really important Mm -hmm. because it works in this movie the thing that people heard about this movie when it was coming out and like since then is that uh, Tom Cruise and Val Kilmer did not get along right. Uh, what something that I like about the Val the Val Kilmer documentary Val that yes, came out last year A24s. is that is that he Val talks about how that wasn't true yes, that's just correct. the press I was going to stuff too yeah yeah and so it's like that made me feel really good because it's like what's these guys and like they show footage from them like hanging out it's like these guys were friends like it wasn't like some kind of grudge thing between each other so now you get to this movie and you have you know they have an interaction that feels entirely authentic entirely respectful to Val Kilmer's situation as a person, uh, yet entirely fitting within the universe of this movie. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that just, it was very touching that they like, they went to that, which I wouldn't expect, I wouldn't expect yeah. less from Tom Cruise, honestly, but it like, it really worked in this movie. I, I uh, didn't mention this when I started my review. Um, I cried like three times in this movie. Uh, okay. And one of the times is like <laughs> when they're meeting with each other and it's more just about like how their meeting ends. Um, but to your point, like as the character goes, it's exactly what Iceman would do, right? I'm going to rise to the ranks and become the best at in the Navy. And I'm going to become like this admiral, like this four-star admiral, like in the Navy. Or yeah. I, I don't know how they go in the Navy. Uh, uh, the four-star is the highest. Yeah, stars. Yeah, I don't know if they're like four strikes in the... in the. They probably gave him five because he just seems like so Could good. have been during wartime, you get a five-star <laughs> one. Yeah. But yeah, it says he's a four-star admiral. But yeah, so I mean, he just rises <laughs> to the ranks and he becomes like the guy, right? And what I love about it is that he he's been pulling strings in the back too to help Mav out in his career too. You mm-hmm. learn this in the movie, so it it's not just like a cheap thing like what Aaron mentioned. Like it's not just cheap of like here's Iceman, remember? Because like he was a rival, but now they're friends again. It's like no, they're they've been friends presumably for the last like thirty years, and it's just great to have them on the screen. And 
I, I wanted to to also highlight the the documentary Val. Please go see it if you if you haven't yet. It's on Amazon Prime. Um, it's such a wonderful documentary, but at the same time, like you just feel for Val Kilmer. Like you just, it was actually great to see him on the screen here. They made him look great. You know, he's got a, a nice like poofy hair and a, a beautiful like a uh, robe on. And, you know, I, I a cravat, a cravat, yeah. And mm-hmm. I just really dug that. Um. I don't want to spoil anything. So I just, I dug that they, that there is um, a nice moment between them. Um, and I, I just, I really, I really enjoyed it. I, I, I just want to really emphasize that it feels very maturely handled. I agree. It really, it really does. We're not getting into spoilers at all, right? No, no. Okay. Yeah. yeah. That's so hard. Yeah. <laughs> but like, it's, it's like, you know, both of y'all have said already, like it's, really a genuine like moment with them together so like with Aaron clearing up how like they weren't you know like despising each other yeah the rivals like in real life that that moment of the two of them like it just feels so genuine yeah and and again it kind of it helps of course like something always has to happen in a movie but like it helps for the movie to continue on and to Aaron's point way early on which I wanted to bring up now um which is like I think that Tom Cruise is turning into a terrific performance in this movie, like mm-hmm. on multiple levels. And so this scene in particular, Tom has to like do some on-screen crying, which I haven't seen him do since he was like TJ Mackey. Um, and he, he delivers a performance that I was like, this is, this is why he worked with PTA Spielberg, Kubrick, Scorsese, you know, the Scott brothers. Um, mm-hmm. It's like, he's a really good actor. And he tried, Aaron and I have talked about this like years or months ago, but he's tried in like that, that stretch in like the late nineties and early two thousands to be like, Hey, Hollywood or America, I can also be like a leading dramatic actor. And Hollywood was like, stick to your action movies. Like, okay, well, I guess I'll just become a billionaire off the mission possible series. I, I, he was, he was doing dramatic acting from the 80s. Of course. Yeah. I mean, born on the fourth of July. MI2 is where he just kind of like stopped and yeah. then became action guy. Yeah. I mean, it, it's, it's kind of like the lane that he, I mean, he chose it, but also like I could see why he wanted to try these things out because he's he's a really good actor. So I, I really dug that, you know, that that scene with Iceman um, is a really good scene on an acting level, but also just mm-hmm. from a story level. Mm-hmm. We got a few more here. Yes. Uh, Jennifer Connelly comes in as Penny. Yeah. Um, the the Admiral's daughter who's mentioned in the, the, <laughs> the first, first film, one. which a, cl- a clever way to bring back a character we basically never do before. Right. Yeah. Um, right. There's only so much to because it's like it's just like, you know, the the romantic interest character that has little bearing on the plot. Right. But the and like Jennifer Connelly, she's a reliable actress, so it's like it's not surprising that like they're good in their scenes for what's given to do. Right. That said, I do like between this and Tenet, I'm a big fan of like giant sailboat scenes in movies <laughs> these days. Like they look great. Like the, the, yeah. the ships at sea like that, like it looks really intense. Right. Oh, good. So, so you're ready to go on on the ocean then. I'm not about to go on a sailboat myself, but I mean, you know, <laughs> they're like, it's like shot so like wide. So you see like this boat on the water, just like, this looks tough to sail like this. Right. <laughs> it almost like at a moment, like I feel like when they're putting the cells up and everything, it, if it wasn't for the screen, like you could feel it. Like it's like you're uh-huh. on the ocean. You could feel that wind like curling through, like it's wild. 
yeah what what's funny about that is it's like okay so tom cruise like made jennifer connelly take boating lessons basically to do this role i wouldn't be surprised (laughs) yeah (laughs) i was like jennifer you have to go to like two weeks of boat or sailing training I'm just like I, I the, the thing I'll say about Jennifer, just two things. One thing is what you mentioned, which is she doesn't have a whole lot to do, but she's like an on-screen presence and you know her. So already she has like some weight. Um, and then the other thing is like mm-hmm. I dig that that outfit, man. Just like navy blue and white pants gonna go sailing. I'm like, of course, because when she comes out, she shows up on the screen with that. I was like, <laughs> are they like this is such a sailing outfit? And then next thing you know, they're on the water. They're sailing. It yeah. did feel very nautical. <laughs> yeah. And I'm like, this is really nice. Yeah. I mean, it's moving about the Navy. Well, that's that's the point, too, she makes, right? Like, he's really known for just being up on the skies and, like, the Navy. Though they do have their, you know, their pilots, they also are known for being on the seas. So she even makes a comment of, like, now you're in the Navy. Yeah. Pretty funny because he looks like he looks yeah. like he's kind of yeah. a little not totally seasick, but he looks like oh my gosh, gotta get my bearings. Like yeah. he's got to get used to this. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But it, it she she Just provides like in, like a, a, few, a few in a few good men. I know you got to like, take a boat. Uh-huh. <laughs> I don't go in the water. Yeah. <laughs> You're in the navy for crying out loud. Um, so mm-hmm. so the last character that I want to get to, that I want to get into at least yes. as you could get to if you want. Because um, I have a th- I have a thought on this. You have John Hamm here as Cyclone. Yes, who's commander of navy air forces um i like john ham i he seems to really enjoy playing characters that are very smart but make the dumb decisions to enable the, the hero in front of him uh, which okay i wonder if this would be a better choice to have ed harris and john ham switch parts Interesting. and i say that because mm-hmm. ed harris He's like 145 years old. Come he wouldn't on. be supporting drones. <laughs> he wouldn't be the drone guy. He'd be like, we got to keep pilots in the air. Like, why? So like when he comes in at the beginning, I'm thinking, why is Ed Harris the one that's like, we need drones? Like, that doesn't make any sense to me. But if you had John, if you had John Hamm, the younger guy coming in, it'd be like, we're shutting you guys down. We need drones. That makes sense to me. It's because Ed Harris is in charge of like a trillion dollar budget. He needs that money. So you put John, put John Hamm. There's plenty of younger guys that are in charge of trillion dollar budgets sure. these days. But then you also get more Ed Harris in the movie. So I'm yeah, not yeah. opposed to that at all. You know, I, that's, I don't know. That, that's a nice, thought that I that's a, No, that's a nice switch, actually. Because you think about it, like, he's more of, you know, of age. Like, he would be more stern on him. Like, John Hamm's character is more of, like, kind of sits back and he's like, okay, like, I'm going to be the one that takes over the mission now. Like, you, you, you can be released. But, like, he doesn't have, like, that ed harris you know quality of like grit yeah there you go that's the grit like he doesn't that's not there it's kind of like okay is this believable yeah when ed harris shows up in that command room my butt clenched i was like oh we're all in trouble now yeah (laughs) (laughs) and how fun would it be if ed harris was the one that showed up on On the the beach beach. being like what are you guys doing (laughs) exactly yes like Like in his mouth or something yeah and it 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 out in an alternate version, he joins in. He's like, "All right, let me go." Yeah, yeah. He takes <laughs> so off his shirt. And he's like, still like playing. ripped. Yeah, he probably is. Yeah, so. <laughs> I wouldn't be surprised. But uh, Ed I, Harris could beat up like four guys by himself. I guarantee you. <laughs> he probably can. He and he probably he probably loved like Cruz's like tenacity like off screen of just like how he wanted to make movies done too. Because Ed Harris, yeah, very intense out. guy, probably out of the sense. It's like you guys are gonna do what? I'm gonna watch that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, I love the outtake, quote unquote outtakes of Ed Harris going crazy on the rock set um, mm-hmm. because he can't remember his but, lines. So, but yeah, so that that was a thought that but I. But back had. to like, him. Yeah, it feels like these two could. Tweet. That said, John Hamm is perfectly good in the role. He's John Hamm. He's Jen. Yeah. He tends to be good. Like I, I'm not upset with John Hamm. I just kept thinking 
why would Ed Harris want drones? That doesn't make any sense to me. <laughs> like Jennifer Conley's role, there's just not a whole lot for him to do because he's just guy in suit that says no and then relents. he's an obstacle. Yeah. And then, you know, he's not even like a heavy obstacle either, but it's it's um it's totally fine. I think he's got like a cool um a cool uh, call sign. And also, you know, John Hamm in in suits or or navy attire, you know, like I'm sure that that uh he looks good in it. So there's yeah, like when you look at things from his perspective, it's not like things don't make sense. Exactly. It's right. just but- it's just again like the movie knows that you're on Maverick's side and you get him, but it's like, mm-hmm. yeah, there needs to be a like what I like about both of these top top gun movies is the fact that there isn't really an antagonist. There's an antagonist as far as invisible enemy or exactly uh, yeah, un- yeah. unidentified unidentified in the sky. Yeah, perfect. But in I'll terms say of it's like Russia. The- mm. Sorry. I said, I'll see. It's Russia. <laughs> Maybe. Who knows? It's, it's, a, no. it's a rogue state. Exactly. Say, it's, a ro- it's a rogue state. I'll, I'll, say, I'll say why. Because, like, okay, the Air Force talent definitely is more of, like, having, like, these type of, like, the the jet that you see, like, in the beginning, it's a model, right, that they made up. And it's interesting because if you think of, like, the B-2, the Air Force, mm-hmm. like, it's called the spirit like that's kind of resemblance of it which has been around for a while but they've definitely been in the process of like wanting to build something like that like the stealth type of Mm -hmm. jets and so like if you think the su-57s it's a russian manufacturer (laughs) like so i'm like i get it like top gun movies are definitely like you know let's make this fictional it's a no name like just move on it's about the mission but they really are looking to be where it's like how that jet was called the dark star right in the beginning of the movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like they're trying to make something like that. Again, this is why I was like really diving into like this whole thing of sex precision of early film and also just like aeronautical engineering because they're trying to make something of that like similarity, but to have it like be up in the air flying in 2025. I look forward to your Twitter thread, which I will read. <laughs> with all the clues i'm no, like, like oh i think again, i'm under this yeah yeah no i'm such a nerd when it comes I, I to like it. trains like, and like and jets yeah you've been naming like models of airplanes like i only know like a third of what you're naming so it's like yeah <laughs> <laughs> she definitely knows yeah <laughs> but yeah like if you, you you could google it like it's all on there and it's just mm-hmm. like it's interesting to see so i'm like oh I'm going to just call it how I see it. Sure. And yeah. I'm going to say that the enemy is Russia. <laughs> yeah. I do feel as though it is, is it more unnamed. I, I think McCord, I'm sorry. I think it's, it's kind of, it's, it's, simply, it's a rogue state. Yeah, whether yeah. it's a Russian party exactly. you know, in origin, it's, you know, it, it's irregardless is the point. Yeah. Of what they're doing. And that's kind of like the point too, is like, I think as it's, has mentioned that like, I wanted to feel more timeless, like uh, as a movie. So uh, it works out. But my, my, my main point was regardless of who's in the sky mm-hmm. is that they there's no antagonist in this movie because it's it's just more of a, it's a character drama at yeah, its core yeah. that's focused on like these relationships and to Maverick specifically and like how he'll get past things with Rooster, how he'll, you know, what will he learn to stop challenging authority and try to get promoted to something different? <laughs> will he reach his, <laughs> will he reach his potential that Iceman clearly sees in him? Like, you know, there's yeah. there's a lot there that I think that that the movie seems interested in that I I enjoy about it. Yeah. Um, what else? Uh, Ani, you mentioned the music. Um, it's certainly like less heavy on pop tracks. Like that's mm-hmm. for sure. Like it, like the, like the original one. Like I said, it's edited like a music video, and it has a lot of you know a lot of a lot of tracks. Well, the original the had song. Otis Redding 
Jay Lee Lewis, sure. The Righteous Brothers, Kenny Loggins. Yeah, Kenny Loggins what is, is this huge. What does well, Lady Gaga? You know. Well, to be fair, this one doesn't have much music. It right. has like a song during the beach scene. It has Danger Zone. It has a song in the credits, but the rest of it is score basically right yeah. uh i something i did like was that they incorporated danger zone into the actual score of the movie which i was yeah, yeah. i was impressed by i i enjoyed because it, yeah. it, it for one thing it just sounded good like but mm-hmm. also it was between having the anthem play whenever it does which is always good it's just you know i like the top gun anthem um between that and having of all things to base your score around <laughs> danger zone like play a key role but between Faultmeyer and, and Hans Zimmer it's like great good for them like that's that's fun that's a that's, yeah. that's a fun way I to think, like... yeah it's a nice tie-in from like Top Gun mm-hmm. right to now Top Gun Maverick just right. kind of remember where you are yeah as far as for like sure. the song goes like I didn't really feel the impact of it but maybe on second watch I will I didn't really think that it, it I mean no, obviously Tip My Breath no Away impact. is like a classic for that movie um, and it went on to go win like a Grammy I think um, but it's, it's take, take my breath away. Won an Oscar. Oh, won an Oscar. Oh shit! Even <laughs> better. Um, <laughs> and that and that and that soundtrack went nine times platinum. Like uh-huh. that Kenny Loggins living huge. off that money, baby. It's probably. <laughs> <laughs> Which is what I'm so surprised. It's like why not just have Kenny Loggins do a Maverick song? Like that'd be hilarious, but also like, super cool. <laughs> but like, I mean, honestly, like that end credit song is garbage. Gaga is a not a great musician. Like in my opinion, like. The whole thing, like sitting there, I'm like, yes, this is an impressive film. Like, I totally would watch it again. But like, that that's like, I don't know. I don't know if y'all saw like in the uh, articles, there was something where like, I don't know how close of truth this is, but like Tom Cruise firing like the original band. I don't know what band it was, like 21 some, 21, what was it? 21 Pilots, I heard. 21 oh, Pilots. Interesting. Yeah. So like, they're the ones like but then all of a sudden like tom cruise just fired everyone and then recreated a team for the the music and i just feel like gaga was the like worst person you can go to and like when i heard that coming to the end i was like are you kidding like it has no (laughs) beat it has no emotion like this is another area i won't like say i'm an expert but like i really do feel like have you know a keen sense to when it comes to music like aaron knows like my family is like very you know musical and kind so I'm just like I just don't think that was the right fit and it's like you could have done so much better on that part like again Kenny Loggins is still around like he went to the the premiere (laughs) I'm just like I'm like well like where's Kenny Loggins like he could write a song for you like if anything have him write the song and if you want to have someone else sing it sure but like this doesn't compare at all to like the 1986 soundtrack yeah that's a fair criticism like honestly it it helps it what helps the original is that you know the the original is more of a romantic melodrama that happens to have action scenes in it where this movie is very much an action movie and by doing that in the first one you can you can tie in a theme to the film and so that you know take my breath away it's not a credit song it comes in in the middle middle of the movie movie. it's a it's a big it's Uh a big part of it where this song is one of those save it till the end song so you can right. you know, have credit credit for having People an original song away. and then you can and then it goes and it goes on to like you know be an oscar contender that kind of thing where it's like it'd be nice to have a song that like beyond like the anthem and the stuff we already know have something that you know fits within the the scheme the of the movie line. and like and and add something to it but at the same time it's not the movie's not telling the same kind of story like the first one is sure. exactly so it's 
right it's, and it's like you said Aaron like you were talking about how like this is a movie like it feels like a movie right mm-hmm. where I see where you're seeing with like the Top Gun like it being like this pop soundtrack and like songs you know here and there throughout it's, just, it's the, the 80s film. it's the style of that time right too. right yeah. and so now like here we are 2022 and like it's more score which is totally fine I'm just saying that ending song is not it's not the song sure. <laughs> yeah I hear you fair like, enough fair yeah, I yeah. just wish like that could be like deleted and just like just end with more score then because like I I just can't I'm sure that uh, some fan will edit in take my breath away after this comes out on DVD or something, <laughs> but um, I hear you on that front. Um, I think we've, yeah, I was like, we've covered a lot of ground. I was like, we probably should wrap. But um, last things last is like, I this is a, you mentioned this earlier on on a um, about just Tom Cruise and and how the way that this movie feels like technology is taking a place, and you could kind of see the parallels too of just like Tom Cruise is an old school movie actor. Mm-hmm. still believes in practical effects he still believes in the theaters and the movies themselves i mean this is the guy that told you to go turn off motion smoothing on your tvs right um so <laughs> a true hero really like gratefully yeah uh, you, you guys should listen to tom cruise and and i think he was talking with mccory at that time but yep. um i i love how this movie is also like guys like i'm gonna be passing the torch on to some of you guys too but also like this is how movies are made so if you take anything away from this glenn powell and and uh and uh miles teller like go and try and make movies like this like the way that i'm making movies because you'll be better off for it everyone will like it more and whatever the case is the other thing i also will say is like i dug that tom cruise is really comfortable with himself now and what i mean by that is like there's two scenes in here where tom cruise's height difference is very apparent (laughs) <laughs> and i i dug that i was like i i dig that like you're not pretending to be like 5 10 5 11 anymore because you're like a 5 7 5 8 guy and miles teller towers over him at one point and so does glenn powell uh-huh. and you're just like in other in older movies tom cruise would be eye level with these people <laughs> and so it was like it's, it was really like i don't know if it was just tom cruise being like well you know they're taller than i am for sure anyway it doesn't make any sense but also right. just more like hey you know what like people know that i'm i'm not that super tall so <laughs> it you know part of that is studios too like in 86 mm-hmm. he was wearing boots and lifts to be height yeah the, the same height as kelly mcgillis and that was a concern that the studio right. actually and kelly mcgillis is like and 5 tom, 10 5 11 yeah yes and tom cruise didn't have that power back then like sure. he was the one making those choices yeah. so right. that's you know, that's also a we want to make sure our star you know looks looks tall sure and all mm-hmm. that and whether you know and you know whether or not that gets to cruise and that big he incorporated himself into later roles yeah he's he's at an age now where i think he accept like I don't think he needs to impress anyone with heights exactly. when he's the one flying jets around and jumping off of buildings. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, yeah. It seems like seems like the whatever that ego is, he's he's squashing he, it in other he areas. Broke his ankle <laughs> jumping across the roof for Mission Impossible. Two weeks later, he finishes the scene. <laughs> mm-hmm. But like to Abe's uh, point, too, like just to conclude, Tom Cruise as a person, like an actor, and also like his character Maverick, he doesn't say by the like in the film we see him throw away the training manual and like it's all about pushing your limits Mm -hmm. and like that's what it just kind of comes down to and that's what makes this like an oppressive like film like it's definitely one to like for anyone out there who's like film studies or whatever like to study this film technology like look how far cinema has come sure so when should people go and see top gun maverick it's grand i think we're all gonna say imax IMAX, right (laughs) Yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's an IMAX. Uh, like, I think that all of us have praised it so much. Like, I think we're like, I'm gonna go and try and see it, like 
in the hundred foot IMAX. So <laughs> yeah, you know what, Abe? Like literally when we watched this film yesterday, I literally looked at Aaron like after we ate, and I was like, he was like, What do you want to do now? I was like, let's go watch. I rarely do this, but I was like, let's go watch this movie again. You know what movie movie Aaron's response was? He was What'd like, he No, not right now. Maybe some other time. I just watched We it. just I saw like, the movie. <laughs> <laughs> I was like the person who like watches films constantly yeah. like you don't want to go see this again and this time like okay we saw an IMAX I was like sure. how about let's go to another theater that has the seats warm up like all your back everywhere and like you can recline them it'd be a comfortable viewing <laughs> yeah I feel I, I'm like... not against seeing this movie a second time I just yeah. don't want to see I it know. an hour after just seeing it <laughs> I think like in the so, most yes. sincerest of ways this certainly does feel like amusement park ride where you do get off the ride and you're like oh we should go again you know what i mean like i, I think to aaron's point yeah maybe you don't want to like go again like immediately afterward because you want to go check out space mountain and also like the star wars experience which is exactly what we did we watched obi-wan yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we did have the star wars experience there you go. <laughs> but it, it certainly is like again in like in the nicest kindest way it certainly feels like an amusement park ride where we're just like because I, I i'm i'm with you like i i want to go see this again and i kind of want to exceed in in uh, the D box too, where like the seats will move. I was like, I wonder oh, what yeah. this experience is like, and I don't know if it's in 3D, but I was like, maybe I'll go check it out in 3D. But or what's know. the other one? It's like the Ford the theater, the 4DX, or what is that called? Is that the there's wraparound 4DX, one? There's screen Screen X is the wraparound. Oh one. wow, uh, Screen X is probably actually pretty interesting for this. For this, yeah. I mean, you guys will yeah. have that in SoCal, so. But yeah, um, I I would IMAX this, and I think Aaron on a where where you guys. Yes. Mm-hmm. I agree. Yeah, IMAX for sure. Yeah, that's the way to go. Okay, Ooh. well, we've talked a lot about Top Gun Maverick. Let's um, let's move on now. Uh, hey, what uh, what time is it here? Aaron, it's time for a quick game here. Oh no! <laughs> Little known fact: that's actually the the tune that plays when Maverick gets missile lock. No, that's just yeah. where I want it here at the end. That's that's the one. <laughs> I've got uh, two games for you guys. The first game is, um, oh no, you've heard of highest box office. Now it's lowest box office, baby. Because <laughs> <laughs> Aaron is too good at guessing highest box office. This is where I will name a uh, an actor in Top Gun Maverick, and if you could mm-hmm. guess one of their lowest box office lowest. Uh, movies, you're gonna win the point. So again, this is where Anna, I took you into account. Mm-mm. You're both gonna get a chance <laughs> to answer. But maybe we'll see if if Aaron is also really good at at the lowest. Aaron is going to win. Anna, because you're the guest of the show, you get to go first. First things first, what do you think is one of Tom Cruise's lowest grossing movies? And again, you're just playing against Aaron, so you have to go lower. It has to make less money than Aaron than Aaron's guest. Domestic box office, not adjusted for inflation. What do you think is one Uh, of Tom Cruise's lowest grossing movies? Like I feel like maybe it could be like that vampire one. What is that called? Uh, uh, uh interview yeah i was like i don't <laughs> i will say you shouldn't go for that one <laughs> okay uh had a lot of big names in it well i did right i had brett pitt in there too yeah antonio banderas i'm trying to think of tom cruise films like that one came but i'm like i feel because it was a little bit older maybe it could be low mm-hmm. uh it's not gonna be mission impossible it has to be something like really early what you got well, I think it's, uh, should I say, I'm going to just say Reacher. 
Reacher. Okay, which one? The first one or the second one? Uh, let's go with the second one. Okay, that's that's a pretty good guess. Good guess. Okay, Jack Reacher. Never, never go back. <laughs> never stop. Never stop. Yeah, exactly. Uh, <laughs> Aaron, what do you think is uh lower than Jack Reacher? Never go back. Domestic. Domestic U.S. box office. I'll say. I'll say lions for lambs. Okay, so Aaron, you win that number. You win that point. Lions for lambs, fifteen million dollars. Fifteen. Jack, Re- yeah, Jack Reacher never go back. Fifty nine million dollars. So Aaron, still, still low. that's that's it's low. Pretty low, time, yeah, right? pretty yeah. low. Yeah. But uh, Anna, at least you didn't choose Interview with the Vampire, which had like hundred and five million dollars. So okay, definitely don't want Good. that. Aaron, you get that point. Aaron, you get to go first in the second one. Do you do you know his lowest by chance offhand? Like it, it's it's like losing it, 1983, 1.2 million. I figured it's like it's gotta be like but that Lions or, or Lambs what? is the second lowest. So oh there you go. Yeah, okay. I mean, like that red I mean he kind of makes a cameo, but Redford, you know. He's he's like the third lead in that yeah, movie, but behind even then he's like small, he's a small role. Right. Yeah. Uh next one here. Miles Teller. Aaron, what do you think is Miles Teller one of his lowest grossing movies? <laughs> um of the eight movies, yeah, yeah. Um, the the Footloose remake, the Footloose remake. Okay. Oh, Anna, what do you think is lower than that? Oh, I'm like, do I see Fantastic Four? Uh, I'm gonna go with Allegiant. No, Insurgent. Insurgent. Okay, are you sure you want to go with Insurgent? I mean, yes, that's a yes. Yeah, I'll just, yeah. Just... <laughs> Aaron, you win that point too. Footloose, 52 million. What? Wow. I'm surprised it made that much. <laughs> I, thought it, I thought it was a, I thought it was like a complete bomb. Divergent Insurgent on a 130 million. You guys wow. could have gone with uh, Whiplash, 13 million. Or The Spectacular Now, 7 million. But Aaron, you win that point. Uh, I'm also surprised yeah. that Footloose got Wait, so how much? Million. How much was Footloose? 50, 50. 52 million. Wow. You had a lot of money. I, I, I honestly, like, I, you know, obviously they're smaller movies, but I honestly thought Whiplash made, would have made more than the Footloose movie. <laughs> that's, 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 that's really surprising <gasps> to me. Wow. Yeah. That's why I didn't think of Whiplash because, like, we saw him, like, oh, it's a pretty good film. Yes, I thought, I, I thought Whiplash like got like, I thought, well, I thought it got like, a, I, well, no, because I didn't think Footloose was that oh, high. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. But I, but I did, but I thought Whiplash would have got like an Oscar bump. So probably would have had like 30 million uh-huh. or something like that. And I thought Footloose wow. was like a complete. I know. Bomb. I'm surprised by that too. I was like, where's Footloose on this bottom here? It's actually not. It's, it's, saying, it's, it's, say, it's saying all that. The Footloose remake, pretty good. Yeah, I've <laughs> like, heard. It's not, I've it's heard, not bad. Yeah. Like, it's, I've heard. It's pretty good. Uh, the oh, next person no. here Val Kilmer. Anna, you got to go first. Oh, Val Kilmer. Val Kilmer. He, well, it's not going to be Batman because Batman is. I'm just trying to think of Falcon movies I know. Mm-hmm. Try and think of the obscure ones. Um, I feel like Tombstone would have done well. Um, obscure. What's obscure for Valkymer? You're going to need an answer. Let's just go with. Should I do Tombstone? How about The Saint? Or it was, well, I don't know what that one was. It was like the one. Yeah, it's the same. That's one. Yeah, the same where he's um he's in a windowsill. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like I only know I only know Tombstone. You just remember trailer shots, Abe. <laughs> I'm just I'm like all I know is Batman, Tombstone, the Saint. Perfectly <laughs> okay. Top, top yeah. Gun. 
<laughs> so the saint. Okay. Uh, yeah. Aaron, what do you think is, is lower than the saint? Kiss, kiss, bang, bang. Kiss, kiss, bang, bang. Oh, no. Aaron, yeah. you win that point. Kiss, kiss, bang, bang. $4.2 million. Not, not a huge box office hit, but got, went on to cult huh. status. The Saint, one of Velkimmer's best movies, $61 million. Oh, wow. Yeah. I'm glad that you didn't is say Batman. That's I mean, his highest grossing movie. Yeah, I assume Batman's his yeah, highest. I was just, yeah, I was <laughs> like, Top Gun no. is his second highest grossing movie. Top Gun, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, Tombstone? Tombstone, $56 million. So it, it was oh, okay. a lot. It was kind of in the same realm as The Saint there. What's Willow? Like 40-something? $57 million. $57, all right. Yeah, wow. Good job, Willow. Uh, <laughs> well, I mean, it, it, it cost, it was a flop for the time because it, fl- it, it cost the money. Yeah, <laughs> but now it's so popular they're making uh, a sequel. They got that series. Yeah, the series. They got the Disney Plus series. Uh, Aaron, you mm-hmm. got to go first in this next one here. John Hamm. John Hambone. <laughs> John Hambone, yeah. His, his, full, Hambone. his full birth name. His, his, his yeah. His, <laughs> before before uh, he got to Ellis Island. Exactly. Um, he believes John in America. Hambone. <laughs> Yeah, he's the, he's the John father. Um, John, what movies? Okay, let's see here. I want you know one I think could be low. Considering that John Hamm is kind of like newish to movies, I don't. I, you might not be too far off on it. So, well, he has like little movies. Yeah. That's what I'm trying to like think of something. <laughs> um, what's that one? He's like a CIA guy or whatever. Oh, that's like every called? movie that he does. Okay. Um, that's like a city or something. I'll just I'll just say A team. A team. Okay. I'm gonna go with nostalgia. The only things I remember him in is like we were soldiers and was he in We Were Soldiers? He was in We yeah. Were Soldiers. Huh. <laughs> good good um, good memory there. <laughs> I, I I like military films. My it's dad. Military movies. Oh, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but yeah, I feel like that's the only. He was in the Wild Mountain Time one too, but well, that, maybe... that's a good guess. <laughs> go with that, right? Okay, I'll go yeah. with that one. Which one are you going I with? Forgot about that. Wild, Wild Mountain, Mountain Time. Time. Wild Mountain Time. Okay, I mean, Anna, you clearly yeah. won this one. Yeah. If you had okay. stuck with nostalgia, you would have definitely like always beat Aaron. It made eighty six thousand dollars in the U.S. Uh, Wild Mountain Time is two hundred thirteen. Aaron, eighteen made like two hundred or a hundred something million dollars. So. AT made that much money. One hundred seventy-seven million dollars. A team, domestic, domestic. Are you sh- hold on? A team, A team. <laughs> All right, they made a lot <laughs> of money. Me, huh? Domestic seventy-seven. Sorry, okay, seventy-seven. Million. Thank you. Okay, I'm like okay. it didn't make no one hundred seventy-seven <laughs> million dollars. Yeah. Okay, but Anna, you win that point. I have one point. All you right. have one point. Yeah, the game still <laughs> continues here. Uh, Ed Harris. Anna, what do you think oh. made uh, a, a terribly low number of dollars for Ed Harris? For Ed Harris? Uh, uh, could it be The Rock? Uh, or is that too like hyper 90? I would, I would tell it's you not to choose The Rock. Mm, and only, you know what? I remember I recently watched this. Stepmom, maybe? Stepmom. Okay, yeah, with, uh, with uh, uh, Julia, Julia and Roberts. Roberts yeah. You, are you uh-huh. gonna go with stepmom? I think I'm gonna go with stepmom. Okay, stepmom. Aaron, what do you think made less than stepmom? Uh, hold it here. Um, <laughs> N- Night Riders. Night Riders. Mm-hmm. 
You got to reach back. Yeah, I was like, I don't even see it on here. <laughs> yeah, it's a, that's a, that's a set. It's in the seventies. I know that you won because stepmom made ninety one million dollars on a. Oh. So it was it was a pretty successful that. hit. That's actually at his his first movie out of the hundred millions for Ed Harris. Um. So Aaron, you get that point. Night Riders. Uh, oh, you mean so like all oh, he has a bunch of other hundred movies. That's like the the lowest that's not up in a hundred. Yeah. So you're so exactly. Okay. Yeah. So it's what it's is Night Riders. It's this old um, like nineteen seventies Romero movie, movie yeah. where he he's a member of like a Ren. Is it like a medieval that, movie or? No, well, if he's a part of a, a Ren fair where like he and a bunch of other guys, oh. um, they, they all play as like he's like King Arthur. Yeah. And they have like a Lancelot, what have you. And they like go city to city, doing like this whole performance. It's like medieval times, but on, traveling. On the road. Yeah, yeah, it's like that traveling ridiculous. Midnight, midnight time. So that's kind of fun. <laughs> well, that but that it, makes sense. Yeah. Below. Yeah. Last one here. Jennifer Connolly, Aaron, you get to go first. Um, Dark City. Dark City. Okay. And Anna, what do you think made less than Dark City? Uh, I'm trying to think. I only know what's that movie with? No, The Labyrinth would not be one because that, or could it? Honestly, I don't know. Uh... I forget if The Labyrinth was actually successful. <laughs> because I feel like that's another one became like a, you know, favorite now it's a, it's a cult, it's cult favorite, favorite yeah. now but it could have bombed but back then i'm gonna just go with the I feel, oh, with labyrinth let's just go with it let's just go Why not? Anna, again, thank you win. for choosing labyrinth you win that point really dark <laughs> city 14 million labyrinth 12.7 million wow, wow. <laughs> just under yes i was like wow. i hope that she chooses labyrinth <laughs> The price is right. <laughs> yes, you did it. <laughs> On a good effort. Uh, you didn't win that game, but Aaron, you won four to two. And the last game that I have here is top four. There's another game? Yes. <laughs> yeah, he said there was two. Yeah. Okay. Last game I hear is top four, where essentially I will uh, look up the MDB of an actor from Top Gun Maverick. And you guys will take turns choosing what do you think Top Gun or they, they placed on IMDb's top four. The only actor we didn't play with with the box office game was Glenn Powell. So there's only one one person here. Glenn Powell. Uh, Anna, because you lost, I'm going to let you go first in this, uh, this game here. What do you think is on Glenn, Glenn Powell's top four on IMDb? And keep in mind that it could be move, uh, TV as well as movies. You're basically trying okay, to guess so like his most popular, his, the his most, most popular, popular things movies? he's been in. Uh, the most, most, yeah. most popular oh, media that, that he's been in. The as his like ribbon on the only thing i remember him in i can only do like maybe uh two okay uh let's go with hidden figures and is he in the he is the dark knight he's in the dark knight do you want to go with two more guesses just for funsies or do you just want to stick with those uh for funsies what other films like i just saw like you know what's interesting to go off mm-hmm. topic real quick? They did not show the Mission Impossible trailer. Yeah, they didn't show us the oh, Mission Impossible trailer. But or I Avatar, also, for that matter. Right, but I also just noticed, like, Glenn Powell, he's in another film that's to do with the military. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I'm like, that's coming out, but I don't think it's going to be on the top four. But Got it, yeah. Uh, I'll just stick with those two. Okay. I can't think of anything Hidden else. Figures is on there, so you get one point for that. He is not in the Dark Knight. What? So, Aaron, you get three possible points here. Uh, um, everybody wants some. Okay. Um, 
I guess Top Gun Maverick. Okay. Yeah, I should have sent it. Duh. <laughs> and um, what show was he? Which one was he on? Um, TV shows. Was he on Scream Scream Queens? Was that the one he was like? One the right is in one. that. Is that what you want to say? I'll guess it. Okay, so you have everybody wants some um, Top Gun Maverick and Scream Queens. You get one point, so it's a tie. <laughs> it's everybody wants them. The other two, Anna, you were so good. Yeah. The Dark Knight Rises. Whoa. Oh, that's what I missed to say. That's what, that's what I was like. Are you sure you want the Dark Knight? <laughs> oh my god! And the other movie is The Expendables Three. Oh, for God, I, I missed the word. So I was like, Are you sure? <laughs> Uh, we'll leave it as a tie for that one because Aaron, you already took it away. No, with... I don't like ties. Oh, you don't like ties? ties? Okay, well, he doesn't no. like ties. I'm glad because yeah. I have Glenn Powell's uh, box office here. What do you think? Oh, is great. Glenn Powell's <laughs> lowest grossing movie, Anna, because uh, you uh, you get to go first uh, in this one. Okay, let's go with um, set it up. With what? Set it up. Okay, Aaron, what do you think is lower than set it up? I mean that's like that's Netflix. Like that's oh, if it's oh, Netflix, it? then, then yeah, it'd have to be a theatrically released movie, obviously. Oh. Yeah. And I will give you a hint. He's got five of them. Yeah. <laughs> that's why I didn't play it originally. <laughs> what do you think is his lowest grossing film? Um I don't think I know any other movies he's in. Okay. Feel free to name one. Uh you said the Expendables was like on the top one, though. Uh, well, it's not as, IMDb, it's just just as far like, as popular yeah. movies he's been right. in. Yeah. You can well, let's just it. go with the Expendables. The Expendables 3. Okay. three. Aaron, what do you think the is Expendables lower three. than the Expendables 3? Everybody wants them. Aaron, you are the winner of this game. Everybody wants Yay. them. $3 million. <laughs> the Expendables 3, $39 million. That's pretty mm. low. I forgot the Expendables 3 didn't do like yeah. well at all. Compared to the <laughs> like, other ones, right? Yeah. But uh, Aaron, you win that game too. Then that was uh, top four. Well, good games. Yeah, you're welcome. This is the only place that I'll lose to Aaron. Everything (laughs) else, I win. Got it. (laughs) All right. Well, thanks for those. Yeah, you won. (laughs) Let's thank you. Let's move on to some enough feedback. 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 This is where we go over the various questions and answers on our Facebook page, facebookcom slash on a podcast. I asked a number of questions to the listeners. They gave us some answers. Anna, feel free to jump up any answers you might have as we go through all our questions here. Okay. First one we have, what is your go-to Tom Cruise movie? The one you can always put on. Oh. Jeff writes Edge of Tomorrow. Scott has Collateral. And Chris has Live, Die, Repeat, also known as Edge of Tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> I would say Mission Impossible Fallout. Like, Fallout. Fallout. Okay. Yeah. Okay. That's, yeah. that's a good one. Yeah. Uh, either Top Gun or Days of Thunder. I mean, both easy watches. You can leave them in the background. Mm-hmm. I forgot you were like this big on Top Gun. <laughs> um, uh, honestly, it might be Jerry Maguire. Like, I feel like I probably oh, watched wow. that the most of yeah. Tom Cruise movies. I think that's the one that, like, if it's on, I'll be like, yeah, sure. Yeah. <laughs> like, like I, yeah, I've watched The Mission Impossible plenty, but I feel like that's on Jerry Maguire's like on TV more. <laughs> that's a good point. Yeah. Feels like it'd be on TBS at like 9 p.m. Uh, uh, w- did he get nominated for that? Yeah. He did. Okay. Oh, yeah. 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 He lost to. Um, to um, Jeffrey Rush for Shine that year, Ooh. I believe. Wow. Okay. Hmm. Uh, the next question here is: What is your favorite movie about pilots? Chris has Pacific Rim and Independence Day. Keith has Memphis Bell. Renee has the new Top Gun. 
absolutely amazing. Todd Liebenau has any of the four airport films, Zero Hour, and then a film that was inspired by all the above, Airplane. Uh, Chris writes Red Tails, The Spirit of St. Louis, and The Tuskegee Airmen. Marcus Robinson writes, Lars von Trier hasn't made a film about pilots yet with a, <laughs> with a shrug emoji. <laughs> if he did, it'd be like the most depressing movie, but uh, you know, we'll see. Uh, Nate has cheating a bit with Catch Me If You Can, but also Airplane. Farron writes Iron Eagle, obviously. Eric Olson writes Iron Eagle was fun and 12 o'clock high was sobering. And can't forget about Dana Andrews in The Best Years of Our Lives. Also, Memphis Bell and Midway. Uh, Mark Hoban writes The Right Stuff. Barry Tuck writes The Dam Busters. We had a lot of entries, great, great so this answer. keeps going. <laughs> oh, please, please um, read them out. Yeah. Oh, yeah, there's more because there's so many. Somebody wanted to respond. Oh, there's Scott writes, more? Oh, gosh. There's more, yeah. <laughs> Scott writes the right stuff. Vote here as well. And I don't see anything ever topping it. I kind of agree. Also, the first ever Oscar-winning Best Picture, 1927, was Wings. And it's some great dogfights. No CGI, just cameras mounted on the nose of planes. There you go. Brian writes Midway, the 1976 version, which takes the viewer to the blow-by-blow changes in the which side had the advantage at the moment. It was those squadrons that found the Japanese fleet that changed the war back into our favor. When Charlton Heston is a pilot, they are a key to our story. Uh, Josh writes The Great Waldo Pepper, The Battle of Britain, and a TV show, Piece of Cake. Hmm. Deborah writes Top Gun and Top Gun Maverick. Yancey Burns, friend of the show, has Only Angels Have Wings. Roger writes Is This Too Abstract? Fight Club. Uh, Michael <laughs> has airplane and hot shots, and Philip has Porco Rosso. Yay! That was a lot of answers. Yeah, we had a ton of answers. Yeah, it was like, it was, to split yeah, it into it was great. Wow. Yeah, it was fantastic. It was fun to see the, the engagement on that. On that, uh, yeah. well, uh, I'll favorite from, pilots. Uh-huh. I'll say yeah. Tora Tora Tora. Okay, Tora Tora Tora. Okay, Top Gun, of course, and then even Dunkirk, I think. Dunkirk, yeah, yeah. sure. Yeah. Those are good, good additions. I'm on the right stuff, of course. I'm a big right stuff fan. Mm-hmm. One of my favorite movies, so that's a big one for me. Um, and I'll throw Rescue Dawn in there. Rescue Dawn, yeah. My favorite Christian Bale performance. L- L- Little Dieter. Yeah. Learns to fly. Um, yeah. <laughs> that's the name of Werner's <laughs> documentary. Um, pilots? Uh, enemy of mine. There you go. Enemy of mine? <laughs> he crashed land, and then he's got to get off the planet. You're right. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> I'll I'll throw in a, a matter of life and death, which has very little to do with the piloting after the piloting stuff. <laughs> there you go. Uh, that question is: What are some great films about confronting one's past? Christopher writes: Antoine Fisher, Dead Again, The Hitman's Bodyguard, uh, The Born Identity, X Two, X Men United, and The Wolverine. The disparity between all of these choices is fascinating. He watches a lot of films. What can I say? I know. Yeah. He's, got a, he's got a great uh, spectrum there. Um, Narava writes, Evil Dead. Scott has A History of Violence, Once Upon a Time in America, and Nebraska, a film I haven't thought about in a while, Nebraska. Robert James has Parish, Texas, and Casablanca. Philip has Road to Perdition. Films about confronting your past. Gross point blank. Fair. Gross point blank. Okay. Uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, the the original movie. Uh, I would say. Oh yeah. The past returns. Hmm. Would Jackie work in this? 
Jackie, the the film about yeah, Jacqueline that's, she's literally yeah. she's literally going over her past. Yeah, that's yeah. that's a good answer. She's, talk, she's talking to uh, okay. uh, Big Fish, the about reporter. It. Yeah, yeah. Big, oh, that's Big right. <laughs> okay, what's his name? <laughs> it's a Billy Crudup. Yes, yeah. <laughs> talking to Big Fish about it. <laughs> that's funny. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Next question we have here: Who has shared the best on-screen chemistry with Tom Cruise? Scott writes Rebecca De Mornay in Risky Business for romantic chemistry, but as far as overall chemistry, I think he connected on screen with Dustin Hoffman in The Rain Man. I'm not a big Cruise fan, but he can be good in certain types of roles. I feel his supporting role in Rain Man stood out. And Chris adds eyes wide shut. Hmm. So best on screen chemistry. Good thoughts on yeah, that's a good. I think question. I, I think because I th- I think Rain Man by the way is like a it's a really terrific career. Like if you didn't mm-hmm. have Dustin Hoffman playing, you know a you know a a, a, a person with autism mm-hmm. like the having that kind of performance kind of automatically guarantees you an Oscar. Right. But it's a tricky role that Cruz has to do in Rain Man. He has to yeah. carry that entire movie. I was going to say, really like, he basically carries that movie. Like, he's going toe-to-toe yeah. with Dustin Hoffman at his peak. Yeah. Uh, it, it's 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 similar, honestly, to, like, Denzel and Tom Hanks in Philadelphia, where mm-hmm. it's like, Tom Hanks has the showier role, but Denzel has to carry a lot of that movie also. Mm-hmm. Like it's... But anyway, on-screen chemistry with Tom Cruise. Yeah. <laughs> no, I, I feel like Rain Man's pretty good. Solid. Yeah, answer. Rayman's a good answer for sure. I mean, you mentioned Jerry Maguire. He has great chemistry with uh, Cuba Gooding Jr. Cuba? Yeah. And I, I know I don't know if you meant to write this as like a, a romantic chemistry, but more just like... It could go either way. Yeah, he has like the way that he plays off him and he's got to go the range. But, you know, Tom Cruise uh, plays off of his uh, counterparts pretty well uh, in, in all of that movie. I mean, I even like Regina, Regina King, um, you know, yelling at him. <laughs> Uh, I'll throw Jamie Foxx in there for Collateral. Yes, like yeah. The, is that my, the, the is that my briefcase, them. bro? Yeah. <laughs> hey, homie. <laughs> yeah, I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah. Hey, uh, homie. That was that was my uh, my uh, my call one of my college roommates' favorite favorite lines of that movie. Yo, homie. Is that my briefcase? <laughs> Got my briefcase. <laughs> Got my briefcase. Yo, homie. I can see you dressing up as as uh, that guy for Halloween. You know, just dye your hair all silver and wear a silver suit. Oh gosh. I could do that easily. Yeah. No. <laughs> Uh, the right. next question here is, are there some other Tom Cruise movies that you want to see sequels for? Peter Paris has The Color of Money, which actually, if this one was a... If, <laughs> it would be. If, if Top Gun Maverick was about billiards, this could be the, the follow-up to that. I'm sorry, what were you going to say, Aaron? No, that I just, I give Peter crap because I, he like, he loves The Color of Money. I'm like, yeah, it's fine. <laughs> it's, it's fine. I saw it recently. Like, it's, it's good. It's not great. But um, Chris Cleveland has Live Die Repeat, but I think that's coming. Uh, Renee has Days of Thunder. Yeah. Um, Alessandro has Minority Report, but they already solved it. Uh, Joe Jans has... Gotta solve it again. <laughs> more future crimes. Uh, Joe Jans has the one that has uh, that scene in it where he runs really fast. He does run fast in Top Gun Maverick 2, in the snow, no less. Uh, Brian E. White, uh, Aaron's editor, has uh, his best one, Oblivion, which he worked with Kaczynski on. Uh, Mike Jerry uh, writes The Color of Money and Oblivion. What else would happen in Oblivion? Like, I like Oblivion. It's like, what else do you need? He finds another planet just full of Tom Cruises and that one woman <laughs> um, and they have got a duty. I mean, first of all, the score by M80 is M80 or M85? M83. M83, sorry. You're, you're between <laughs> them. <laughs> it's fantastic score and the visuals in it are, are great. What's a sequel that we'd want from Tom Cruise that we haven't gotten? Um, you Man Part Two, uh, where he's back in court. <laughs> a few more men. Uh, yeah, exactly. 
the best men is actually the the follow-up title the best men just him and kevin bacon in court <laughs> oh you're saying more top gun no i feel like they already did it with no but let's like, another tom cruise movie that we can get a sequel to <laughs> oh well i don't think there needs to be <laughs> okay yeah, that's fair um i don't know uh jerry mcguire you know, he, he's, he's like his sports agency is now huge yeah yeah it's a big sports agency now and has he, <laughs> he become has a, a bad guy <laughs> is he jay moore yeah, exactly. <laughs> did he become so big that he became uh, a regular sports agency again that'd be great return yeah. for to form for for cameron crow so. jonathan lipnick he's now like a football player <laughs> uh that'd be interesting the human the human head weighs eight pounds in this football he's still he writes that as his college <laughs> he still yeah he said he just has a lot of facts that he right. shows <laughs> All right, last question here. What are some iconic movie airplanes? Uh, Jay Cluett, friend of the show, writes The Jailbird from Con Air. Mm-hmm. Josh writes DC3 from Lost Horizon. Farron has Firefox from Firefox. Oh, yeah. uh, Mark Hoban, friend of the show, writes The Fairchild C82 Packet. Yes, I looked it up from The Flight of the Phoenix. <laughs> uh, Brad, friend of the show, writes Dusty Crop Hopper from Disney's Planes. <laughs> <laughs> Good one, Brad. Scott has the airplane they can they build called Phoenix in Flight of the Phoenix. Um, Michael Lee, friend of the show, writes American Pride from the Langoliers. Roger has the plane from Chicken Run. Yeah. Becky <laughs> has airplane, and Stephen has does Mothra count? Of course, yes. Flies. <laughs> <Wise. laughs> yeah, and this P- she takes passengers at some point. Sometimes. Yeah, uh, favorite movie airplanes. It's got to be Batman's uh, Bat Plane <laughs> from 89's The Bat Wing. Yeah. Hmm. F-14 is pretty cool. Yeah. And really any movie that has Osprey in it, I'm okay with. There you go. Um, movie airplanes. I do like the Batwing quite a bit. It is pretty cool. Uh, it just does like the logo on <laughs> the moon for no real reason other than to be say to the fans, here you go. It's great. I mean, any other part of the air. <laughs> it doesn't look yeah. like about that part of the he air. You know, yeah. just, it just it just happened to be how it looks. Um, I'm trying to think of like a good, like one specific like as a good one. What's Star, a good one? Starscream. <laughs> I thought about Transformers. Like I don't like Starscream. I know. <laughs> <That's the thing. laughs> um, I'm surprised you haven't seen the Millennium Falcon. <laughs> oh, well, yeah. that's a spaceship, not an airplane. Uh, yeah. I know, I, like, but it moves like, through the air. No, 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 no. I, no, I, I thought of it. I thought of it. Yeah. The the plane that Leonardo DiCaprio crashes in, avi- in the aviator. Oh man, I love his line. I'm I'm going down, buddy. Like, it's such a such a sad line. Yeah, he crashes <laughs> like in Beverly Hills or something. Yeah, yeah, like in the middle. Yeah, exactly. Like, yeah. Which happened? <laughs> yeah, it's insane. Right. And it's a great action sequence. It is. Like Martin Scorsese, the only makes gangster movies. Like he could run the tables around Marvel with action sequences if he wanted to. Yeah. But he whatever. also made a billiards movie. <laughs> yes. <laughs> there you go, Peter. <laughs> uh, all right. So that was enough feedback. Feedback, feedback, feedback. Thank you for all that feedback, listeners. Yeah. Thanks for all the feedback this week. That was uh, it's great it's to get a whole bunch of it. And uh, that's going to do it for this week's episode about. I actually have. I, oh, no, no, no. I have a question. Please. Uh-huh. Because you guys never really get questions, but I have a question. Sure. <laughs> Pull the brakes. <laughs> so you know how whenever like a sequel comes around and everyone kind of has a speculation of like 
if this film does really well or is a big hit, like money wise, like if it does really well, do you think there'll be a third Top Gun movie? I, I know that sometimes um, like box office can dictate whether you're going to greenlight a subsequent follow up. I think because of everything that we mentioned about top or Tom Cruise, like if Tom Cruise felt as though there was something that was worthy of a third, he would make it. But you know, he's got to be really invested in it, right? Which how he was he, with this one. Like I feel like it's like we've already talked about. Like it's clearly he was invested in like felt content to return to this character yeah. in like this film. So it's just like it's just an, a thought because like sure. you, you see that. Anytime, like, if a movie comes out, like an original one or whatever, like, or, you know, a film comes out for the first time, it's always like, is there going to be a sequel? Mm-hmm. Or a third one. And it's always on the account of, like, of course, how well it does box office. Mm-hmm. It's going to do well, but, like, in the horizon and sometime in the future, would they be, like, a third one? Sure. Or I, just, do there even need to be a third one, like, you know? I would, I think... I'd be very surprised if Cruz did this again Agreed. very soon. Yeah, yeah. But then, it, but but at the same, it's like he's not going to do it much later because he's older. Like he can't do this again, right. this kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Now, with that said, this movie's about to make a lot of money. I don't think Paramount necessarily wants to get out of the Top Gun business if they can help it. So if I mm-hmm. if I had to guess, this is just a guess. I wouldn't be surprised if, like, in a year or two from now, they announce some kind of Paramount Plus Top Gun series. I like I I I think that's something that's entirely possible where you just get like you know a crew of a, a crew of pilots on a you know oh, a, dra- a dramatic a, a dramatic show where obviously it wouldn't have the exact same spectacle because it's a TV show but they'd still try to like replicate the air stuff while giving you like a standard you know character drama TV yeah. show type. Thing. I'd also lastly like to add that you know this movie does have a, a few like fond farewells in it so I don't know if like again it'd have to really really interest Tom Cruise. Maverick. Maverick. <laughs> we need a we need a pilot. We yeah. need a pilot to, to land us on the moon with a jet. The first person to do it. Sure. There's no. There's just no other just, way. And, and planting a flag of of well, Iceman. <laughs> well, they talk about like, of course, you know, like the movie of like the future. Like he he kind of said not Tom, not um, Maverick, but like it's stated like you know the future isn't like these old school planes the future will be also like with jets with no pipe sure sure so it's like you're kind of on one where it's like maybe going out of space or something but like i just a curious thought because again like you tend to get like that conversation after a movie does so well and like to aaron's point of like maybe something streaming that that'd be interesting because i yeah it's like what tom cruise wants something streaming like does he have like would he be okay being that it's like a series, like a show instead that he'd be okay with like a streaming platform? I mean, it's, you know, he could, if you wanted to be a producer on it, it's not, I'm not saying he'd be in it, but like, I do think it, you know, if you call it like Top Gun right. Naval Academy or something like that, like, I, I think there's, that's not a hard show, I think, to pitch as far as, yeah, we'll mm-hmm. do a Top Gun TV show where it's just, you know, the, just new pilots or trained pilots having their drama on a week to week basis. And it's animated. Like <laughs> They can do the aerial stuff. So, I mean, as far as space yeah. goes, Tom Cruise is making a space movie where he's actually in space. So, I mean, I, again, who's surprised? Who's surprised by this? I like. I guarantee you, that's what he's probably doing in his off time, <laughs> doing the practice runs in space back and forth, which is insane. He's got <laughs> like, enough money to do it. <laughs> but that's like the free time that he's probably using right, right now. Right. It's like when I have free time, I'm just going to test being in space. <laughs> so. He's going to save us all, man. <laughs> 
All right. All right. Well, good question, Anna. Thank you for that. Yeah, thank you, Anna. Because I am curious. Oh, yeah. I am curious okay. where things go from here because it's it's going to make money, and that you know Paramount's not going to be mm-hmm. like, let's stop doing this. Right. <laughs> like, so. right. Paramount, Paramount could use the money. They could, and this <laughs> yeah. is certainly a lucrative opportunity. Right. So. Mm-hmm. Well, with that, that does do it for this week's episode about now and Aaron and Abe. You can find more of my work on my personal blog, DakotaZeke.com. Everything I do is over there. I also write movie reviews for Why So Blue and Leave Up Entertainment. And I'm on Twitter at Aaron's PS4. Abe? You can find more fun stuff over my Instagram, Abe.Mua, and Twitter.com slash WalrusMoose. Hashtag, it's not about the plane. It's the pilot. <laughs> Anna Bosch, where can people find more of your work online? Well, I'm on Twitter at Right to Recite, and I do have a blog that's kind of been stagnant, but perhaps I'll get to it. Um, but the blog is the same as my Twitter. It's right to recite. And you all should just definitely go Google SB72. And you'll understand what Duck Star kind of resembles. <laughs> Got it. Okay. Nice. <laughs> all right. You can find all the other episodes of Out Now Thursday on iTunes, Audio Boom, Spotify, and Stitcher. SoundCloud, Podomatic, and HSWLOD. Feel free to email us at outnowpodcast.gmail.com. Right on our Facebook wall, facebook.com. Yes, or Twitter us at twitter.com. Slash out now underscore podcast and follow our Instagram page at Instagram.com slash out now underscore podcast as well. Anna, thank you very much for joining us today. Thank you, Anna. Yeah, you're welcome. Thank you. That was fun. Yeah. Glad to have you here as always and look forward to the next time. And the next week's show, another bonus, not a huge release coming out, but some smaller stuff. So we'll uh we'll talk about some stuff. So mm-hmm. be be prepared. Uh, but that is gonna do it for this week's episode. So until next time, so long and goodbye. Should be scared.